it's a little town, a quiet village, you know, every day like the one before. God damn it. A little town full of little people mm-hmm. waking up to say, Michael, we're going to take your blood and do you know anything about Walt? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey, and I'm a 25-year-old actor and drama instructor, because the day this comes out, it was is the day after my birthday. Oh my god, happy birthday! Thanks! It, it not my birthday yet, but I know. when it comes out, it more, more, Boy, we had a great time at your birthday, didn't we? <laughs> I'm sure we did. Oh man! I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the 100 script on Twitter, and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And if I could have a list of four lost characters mm-hmm. um, that could I could demand to be brought to me. Yes. And also the parameters. Yes, yes, yes. We can choose any character from any of the six seasons, but we may not give context if there's a character we do not know. Yeah, names only. Yeah, names only. So the four characters that I would um, demand mm-hmm. are James Sawyer Ford. I'm shocked. Kate Austin. Uh-huh. Daniel Faraday. Uh-huh. And Richard Alpert. Oh, Richard's a great choice. Thank you so much. For reasons that we will not discuss. Yeah, thank you. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 30-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can move on attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And if I could command that four losties be brought to me, I would make it Saeed, obviously. Desmond, obviously. Juliet, obviously. But... We haven't met her yet, so don't worry about it. And um, I'm going to give, like, a wild card answer and say... Wild card for me and say Sawyer. Okay. Yeah. Because I feel like that'd be a fun party. Sure. Yeah. And our guest this episode is Callie! Yay! Hi, Callie! Hi. Hi. You're welcome. (laughs) Hello, my name is Callie Jeffrey. I'm a 21-year-old photographer and sister Nato to the lovely Robin Jeffrey. (laughs) I live in beautiful Oceanwise, Vancouver, BC. I like rooting for the underdogs and have a long-term love with the ocean and the creatures living in it. You can find me at Callianne Jeffrey on Twitter, where I attempt to understand what's going on, and at Callie Nicole Photo on Instagram. And I am a Hufflepuff. 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 Solidarity. Solidarity. Probably uh, like, I'm surrounded by Hufflepuffs. Cool. So, um, like you said, uh, you already kind of explained in your bio, but can you tell us uh, why you're here and how you know us? Well, I am related to you by blood. Robin. Me? Whoa. Yes. How much blood? Yeah, Three how many? Years. 100% blood. <laughs> oh. Whoa. <laughs> and I moved here with Moved into a three-bedroom apartment with four other people because <laughs> I wanted to be near the ocean. And that worked out. And that worked out. Because so I live near, near, the, near ocean. the ocean. Yep. So we're all in the same room I today. I see it. We're all in the same room today, which mm-hmm. I love because that means we don't have to wear headphones. Yeah. Yes. So fun. Hashtag blessed. Um, so who are some of your favorite characters? I love me some Frank Lapidus, but don't worry about him. We don't know him yet. Desmond. Of course. I love Desmond. Um, Hurley's good. Mm-hmm. Claire's good. Vincent's good. <laughs> the, do- the dog is quality. Yes. But your all-time favorite is Lapidus. All-time favorite Lapidus. I have a cactus named Lapidus. Um, we actually had you on for a previous episode, episode 110 of this podcast. True. So if you're looking for more Cali content, you can find it there. 
True. Um, but tell us what lost means to you. It's always a big question, but we have to ask it, you know? I, I think I gave the exact same answer in 110, but I'm gonna give it again. It means to me, like, family, because you, because I watched it with you for the first time, and so it always obviously reminds me about you and like watching it together wholesome okay means family family and connection and reminds you of robin yeah basically basically i don't know if this is going to be literally the exact same question as who are your favorite characters probably but um what uh, if you could bring four lost characters to you someone has to bring them to you who would you choose brian clopitas mm-hmm. desmond hume mm-hmm. Hugo, Hurley, Reyes, <laughs> and Vincent. Damn bring, it! Bring me the dog. I didn't. I didn't even think about a dog option. You got me there. Hmm. Uh, today we have words to say about episode two twenty two of Lost. Three minutes. So, um, three minutes. The title is pretty self explanatory. Um, because they do the thing, which if you don't know, the thing is when they say the title in the episode. Obviously, they do the thing this episode, and uh, that's kind of what it's about. Yeah, there's, there's really not much more to it. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like we could, like, I could find something, like, deeper in it, but I don't know if it's necessary. No, I don't think it is. Yeah. Well, three minutes is how long Michael has with Walt. Exactly. So but if, like, could, like, like, how much more can I go into, like, is there, eh, I don't, I, I'm too lazy to do this. It's not necessary. Say? The writers didn't think that much into it. So the broadcast date was May 17th, 2006. Um, it was written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz, and it was directed by Stephen Williams. And, um, recently I was thinking about Stephen Williams and Jack Bender, you know, the two main- The two main directors on Lost. Mm -hmm. They mostly just, like, took turns, basically, and then, like, occasionally they had other directors. Yeah. But I was just thinking about them recently, and I was like, man, I am so just in awe of them because if I had to work literally every day for like 12 hours at some point I would just be like I don't care anymore and I give up yeah but they never do because every episode that they direct always turns out awesome like I truly don't understand how the film industry works other than you know basically it's unregulated but I don't understand how it works the way it is because they work something like you know 20 hour days yeah that's illegal so I've got some fun facts about the episode. Um, Malcolm David Kelly's name is restored to the main credits. So when Walt was taken at the end of season one, he wasn't in the main credits mm-hmm. it, throughout any of season two because he just like full on hasn't been around. Well, potentially like, I mean, he was here for when Shannon saw him and I don't remember if his name was restored to the main credits for that one, but um, it was for this one. He wasn't put as a guest star. He okay. was put as like a main, main actor. This is the third episode that takes place completely on the island. Um, so that was the other 48 days, and... I didn't even think about that, but it was all island, wasn't it? Yeah. The other 48 days... And maternity leave. Okay. If I remember correctly, this is the third episode, takes place completely on the island. Um, the font on the flashback captions, like 13 days ago, etc., is different from the font used regularly as seen in the other 48 days. So, weird. Just messing around with styles, you know? Just experimenting. Um, and then lastly, the titular promised three minutes is actually just one minute and 12 seconds. Great use of the word titular. Oh, I didn't. Uh, I took it from Lostpedia. No, I know. I okay. just liked it. Yeah. yeah. I don't think this was a mistake. I think because Walt started talking about things that they didn't want him to yeah. talk about, they just like pulled them out and that's why. Yeah. 
But yeah. I have a fun fact. Okay. In MKTO's music video, mm -hmm. Thank You. Yep. They're walking down the street and the guy who plays Michael is walking and then the because Walt is in MKTO, he's like he does a double take and they're like, What? That's pretty cute. I yeah, like that. We went through the music video in episode one fourteen, so if you're looking for more content about that music video, um you should check that out because we literally, like, watched the music video. <laughs> it's a good music video, too. It is, and there's yeah. so many Lost references in that one, so it's pretty cool. So many? So many. So many. Oh my gosh, there's polar The blackboard alone. The bl there's a blackboard in the background that has, like, the numbers, and yeah, that whole ep that whole music video is all about Lost. But yeah, um, check out MKTO's music. It's good, and Malcolm David Kelly is the MK. Yeah, I was gonna say, we should probably clarify, that's his band. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> He's the guy that raps. Um, so we have some thoughts from listeners. I have one for the spoiler section, but I also have one that we can say right now oh, cool. um, from our friend Isra, who is at Isra Glass. You guys might remember her from two episodes ago. My queen. Um, and she had a thought about Locke and Echo's um, conversation about the button. Okay. She said that she really liked that conversation. Um, Locke really loves the island and the mysteries surrounding it. I don't think the point is, does the button do anything? The point is, one, nothing bad is happening when Locke pushes the button, and two, it makes Locke feel good. Yeah, it's a placebo effect. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, really appreciated that point. And we also have some thoughts about, um, Kate that we can talk about in the spoiler section from our friend Maria, who we heard a giant, um, uh, uh, voicemail from last episode. In the spoiler section. And it was iconic. If you're not here in the spoiler section, you keep missing it. <laughs> Watch but don't the show. show yourself, so stop that. <laughs> uh, okay, so now we're going to do a recap of the episode. Brittany is going to try and summarize it, and we're going to speed her up. That's, uh, that's for it. her own entertainment, basically. For my entertainment and yours. Okay, here we go. Okay. So um, this is just in chronological order. Cool. Yeah. That's what, we, that's what we're going to be doing for the episode as well for our yes. house. So. Michael knocks Locke out so he can use his super secret computer to text Walt. He's going to go find his son no matter what, which is basically the plot of Finding Nemo. Jack wants to know what the T is, but Michael isn't up for sharing. He locks him in with Walt and bounces. He interrupts Danny peeing, which is like really rude, and gets super kidnapped by the others. Mr. Friendly leverages Kate as a hostage to get Jack, Locke, and Sawyer to leave. Alex asks Michael how Claire is, so that's normal. M Mr. Friendly sets our heroes free, but they keep Michael and knock him out. Michael arrives at the others' camp. Michael meets Mrs. How do you say it? Mrs. Clue? Clue. Clue? Clue. Yeah. Why is there a G? That's just how it's spelled. Okay. K-L-U-G-H. Okay. Clue. Michael arrives at the other's camp. Michael meets Mrs. Clue, who asks him a bunch of questions about Walt that he can't answer. She accuses him of being a bad dad, but he's trying his best, okay? This goes on for like a week. Eventually, Michael asks Mrs. Clue when she plans on killing him. She says he can have Walt back if he frees Henry. She lets him see Walt, who says they've been doing tests on him and that they're not who they say they are. Mrs. Clue says Michael must bring Jack, Kate, Hurley, and Sawyer to them on top of freeing Henry. Michael agrees if he can have their boat. Fast forward to the present. Michael burns some paper. Jack wants to take an army to get Walt, but Michael only wants five of them to go for no specific reason whatsoever. Hurley says they need to bury Anna Lucia and Libby. Michael asks Echo about hell. Echo tells him a story that basically can be summed up by asking if Michael fears that the slain will seek revenge in the afterlife instead of having guilt at having killed. Jack agrees that just the five of them can go. Charlie gives Claire some vaccines, so that's going well. Everyone is excited Michael is back until they see Anna, Lucia, and Libby are dead. Jack and Sawyer talk about girls. Saeed wants to come on their adventure. Jack says no. Sawyer says hell yes, so Team Sawyer. Echo puts the numbers in and tells Charlie he's moving into the hatch. Charlie's pissed. Michael doesn't want Saeed to come. Vincent brings Charlie a Virgin Mary statue. He finds the rest in his tent and throws them in the sea. Progress! Echo can't find Henry's trail. 
Sawyer and Jack talk about girls again. Michael wants Hurley to come on their trip. He says no. Michael doesn't take that well, but Hurley eventually says he'll go. Saeed tells Jack that Michael has definitely been compromised, and guess what? He's right, because he's a genius. They hold a funeral for Anna and Libby, but it gets interrupted by Sun when she spots a boat. I really liked your point about how it's literally just finding Nemo, and I think that Michael fails because he's got, he doesn't have a Dory. He doesn't have a Dory. Mm -hmm. He needs a sidekick. Yeah. Like, literally through this whole thing, I was like, Michael's, most of Michael's plot through season two and season three is, have you seen my son? Mm -hmm. You know? So, that's that. Cool. So, we're going to uh, get started, and like I said, we're going to be doing it in chronological order, so all the stuff that happens 13 days ago, all the stuff that happens 11 days ago, all the stuff that happens three days ago, and then present. So, um, starting at 13 days ago. 13 days ago, Locke's putting away guns in the armory. Michael talks with Locke about borrowing a gun for target practice. He gets one, but then Locke, but then knocks Locke out. Not Locke knocks out. Knocks Locke out. I feel like I had a stroke hearing that. He runs to the computer to chat with Walt. He makes sure Walt's okay and gets clarification on directions. Jack wakes up and calls for Locke. Jack finds Locke unconscious in the armory. Michael shows up behind Jack, locking him inside. So this is when the armory was back, you know, still the armory. Yeah, it before, still had stuff in it. Before it was, you know, like a jail cell, yeah. basically. And basically what this whole thing with um, 13 days ago was 211, the hunting party. I mean, a lot of this is just the hunting party, yeah. really. Like, honestly, I was a little surprised that there was so much archive footage in here. Why? Well, not in here specifically, but in, especially in the, like seen in the clearing and stuff. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, We yeah. got some new stuff, but a lot of it was just, like, archive footage. Literally, I was doing the summary, and I was like, okay, so this is just the same crap that we've seen over and over and over again, mm -hmm. and it's like, it, they're like, Kate's here! We're using Kate for leverage! And I'm like, I've already seen this! It was really cool to see the behind the scenes, though. Yeah. So Henry was only in the hatch for, like, a week, and Michael is whispering because Jack is asleep, was asleep, and so I went back to 2.11 to see if Jack actually was asleep, and he was. Continuity! He, yeah, he was asleep uh, at the beginning of that episode. We stand. Um, Michael looks at his watch. What is he even doing? What is he checking? The time of the button? Like, how long it'll take for say. him to get to the other side of the island? I, I don't know. Maybe. So he drops the bullets on purpose so that Locke will bend down and he knocks Locke out. Locke was literally going to let you take a gun and bullets anyway. That's That was my whole thing when we were watching. I was like, you were going to get away with it, bud. Mm -hmm. Like, he didn't even need to lock, knock Locke out. That is hard to say. Yeah. All he had to do was close the door on him and yeah. leave him in there. Mm -hmm. But then maybe Locke would have started yelling and then Jack would have woken up or... Jack woke up anyway! Yeah. Like, who's to say? Yeah, he just leaves the door open, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Maybe he didn't want to, lo to lock Locke in there. <laughs> but then because Jack woke up, it was necessary. I don't maybe. know. Maybe! I think that what happened was that they needed that to happen in the hunting party. And then in this episode, they needed to find a way to make it make sense. Yeah. You know, they and needed... And it's like, okay, I'll go like, what was the Like, what was his motive? Now exactly. we finally need to figure out what his motive is. Exactly. Know? So I've got some fun facts from Lostpedia. How many fun facts? Oh, they're actually bloopers. Oh, cool. When Jack wakes up in the hunting party, he looks at the swan computer and seeing no one calls for Locke. However, in this episode, Michael is shown to be sitting at the computer when Jack calls out. Oh, so in the hunting party, he's looking at the swan computer at the same time that Michael should be there. The events depicted in the hunting party showed Jack waking up directly after the sound of Locke thumping to the ground and going to the armory in approximately 15 seconds. Someone freaking timed that? Apparently, but also 15. Oh, that's my number. However, Michael takes about a minute to type on the computer after knocking Locke knocking out Locke. It's possible that this may have been depicted differently because Jack was groggy and also had a distorted perception of time so that's okay a that's a 
that's okay. a stretch. That's a stretch just to be nice to the lost actors and, yeah. the, light, and the, the people. But I respect it. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll allow it. People have been trying to, like, chat on the computer. And so I don't, like, I'm just wondering what sequence... Michael has to press to get it to be MSN Messenger. Because it, <laughs> it only works for him, and I don't know why. <laughs> That's a good point. See, this is this is like my thing. Where, well, you know what? They are being watched, though. True. I was just thinking that maybe they're watching them in the Pearl at this point, because we know that the others have been down there. Yep. They're, they're making sure that it is Michael. But the Pearl wasn't... It's under the... Um, it's under the plane right now. So they can't be watching them on, in the Pearl right now, because it's under the plane, and it's before... Um, Locke and Echo moved it last episode. Yeah, but what if they just had a different access to it? Because when they found it underneath, there had been people who were recently there. So yeah, that was before. That was before the plane fell on top of it. We've never seen another access to the pearl, so I don't know. But how did the people get out? Like, did they get out and then the plane? Oh, yeah, sure. right. Yeah, yes, they got oh, out okay. and then and then like they only go there occasionally. Oh, okay. I want you to know. I thought you really thought you were onto something. Thank about you. That. <laughs> But potentially there are other, um, there are other hatches that have, like, capabilities that are similar. So maybe, maybe they're still watching them, but from a different hatch. Yeah, that's why I was, I, well, can you read my mind? Are you talking about Yes. What about him? I mean, doesn't he spy on people too? Um, I think we need to move on from this conversation now because it's getting a little spoilery in our brains. So we'll talk about this later. Hi, everybody. Um, there is no way this is Walt. He is typing too fast and he's making too little spelling mistakes. He is 10 years old. Okay, but to be fair, we also talked about the fact that if Walt has, like, you know, special Walt powers, he could be typing with his mind. I don't think that's true, and here's another reason, and I have another reason as to why I don't, I, I don't think it's Walt. Okay, well, tell me what it is then. So, he's told he needs to go north because there are huge rocks with a hole in the middle. That's what he needs to look for. If this was Walt, we wouldn't lead Michael to the fake village. He would lead him to the other island where he knows that he actually is, because he says they're not who Damn they say they are. Yeah, you're right. You know, so that he knows that this fake, this village is fake, and he wouldn't tell Michael to go to this village. Also, Ooh. what 10-year-old knows what north is yeah true. oh that's a good point yeah <laughs> they're like north and it's like what huh? i don't have a compass I'm, yeah. I'm still like oh go north 25 meters okay will we hit like a denny or like can yeah you, tell you gotta me, tell me like, a landmark yeah, I, yeah. Building? I like to this day i don't know my my directions like that. <laughs> i only know them because of the landmarks in like our city so like west van is west Mm-hmm. And wow. east, east is freaking Edmonton, so right. It's just that like West Van is all like if you look at it on a on a it's map, west. Yeah. it's like not totally west. It's like northwest. It's like northwest, so it's like I don't know. That kid's really rich. So this is northwest. basically no, I got it. I didn't get it. Northwest. Oh, hurtful. So this is basically what we assumed happened. Like when you watch the hunting party, you can basically assume this is what happened. Yeah, behind the scenes. Cool. So moving on to the next part that is 13 days ago um michael runs through the jungle stopping to check his compass he comes across a peeing man named danny pickett i don't think he's actually peeing okay he didn't like zip up his zipper but like he could have yeah then what do you think he and was like, doing and just standing there i think so i think it was for special effects they're like oh he's coming <laughs> special effects like, okay i'm gonna here stand he goes. here he's like i've got a mask on you know? special effects 
But I feel like we would have seen him like like jump or like zip, you know, like right. And that's the other fair. the other others were like right behind him. Yeah, yeah. He comes across a peeing man named Danny Pickett. He sucks. <laughs> Mister Friendly sneaks up behind Michael and disarms him. They totally capture him like really easily. Yeah, it like takes almost no work. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is Danny Pickett. Um, remember him because he comes back next season. Okay. Um, and I hate him. Okay. Like, if I were to rank the others, Danny Pickett would be very low on my list. I deeply dislike him. Okay. So Michael is using a compass, but compasses are slightly off on the island, so he's likely going the wrong way. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, aren't they kind of useless? Especially, like, we specifically know that North is in the wrong place. So, like, he's trying- he's trying to go North, and- Anyway, he's going the wrong direction. If the others hadn't found him, he would never have found there. Everyone's like, what are you Your doing, thing, I you feel like. idiot? And also, wouldn't the others know that North is slightly off, too? So if Probably. they even told him to go North, mm-hmm. and they oh, didn't yeah. run into them. Well, he to- they told him to go North, and they know what direction he would go, which is slightly off North, so they knew how to find him. Oh, okay, that's true. Maybe. I don't know. Who's to say? So yeah, Danny Pickett, potentially just trying to pee. No. Friendly, Mr. Friendly had to put on a fake beard for this. He sure did. He was, was like, you oh, know that? He's like, yes, I'm gonna get you know, it's a full drag. Yeah. Um, I like that Danny mentions that he knows Walt. Like, he says, oh, are you Walt's dad? And, like, what a heckin' dig. Are you Walt's dad? Ouch. So, Michael has two guns, and Friendly says, don't kill him because we need him. Ooh, I feel like that's a really big dig on Danny's part, because he probably knows 100%. That Michael is Walt's, Walt's dad. One hundred percent. Yes, and he's just being this would be a dick person. because the others know exactly who they're talking to on the other side of the yeah. screen. Um, just shout out to Mister Friendly with that aim. He really gets it. <laughs> he, he he like it's like what like a some sort of like lasso like rock. It's like the David thing. and Goliath. Yeah, like, what, rock yeah. Oh, what's that called? It's like a slingshot, like a rock. Sling? Kind of like a slingshot. I thought it was a lasso. Rock sling. It's like a lasso, but it has rocks on the back on the end of it. So it's like you just throw, you just swing it around, and then you throw it, and then it, he got hit in the head with a rock. I don't know what that. Okay, I literally just googled rock slinger weapon. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's, it's a rock slinger. A rock slinger. All right. Okay. We're gonna. Just I thought say, it was gonna have a cool name. So, I don't know. Locke gets knocked out this episode, but we had already seen this, and I'm pretty sure we had counted it on the hunting party, so that one doesn't count for our uh, our knockout counter, but then Michael gets knocked out twice in one day. <laughs> twice in one day, um, 13 days ago, and we hadn't seen that before, and even though it was 13 days ago, um, we are going to count that for our I think it counts. Counter, for sure. I don't know if this could... Sorry, I'm still on the rock slinger. Um... <laughs> It is known as the shepherd sling. Oh, oh all right. Someone who specializes in using slings is called a slinger. Oh, all right. So it's all of us are like, I know some of those words. <laughs> sure. Shepherd sling. So I don't know if you could. Mm-hmm. Someone could probably dig deeper into that. Mm-hmm. Man, if, if it was Jack getting knocked out. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> uh, so from Lostpedia, the area in which Michael has his confrontation with the others and has taken is different from where Locke describes it to have taken place in the hunting party. Here it is out in the open, but the area Locke, Jack, and Sawyer went to was in Woodland, where Locke tracked the clues of a struggle. So that was an oops. Okay. That was an oops. Um, all right. Next here we go. You may recall the debacle in the hunting party with Friendly, Jack, Sawyer, and Locke. This is the other side of that. Friendly takes the bag off of Michael's head and promptly gets spit on. <laughs> Pickett brings in Kate, who, you may recall, 
was following the boys. Michael is told to stay silent or he'll never see Walt again. A bunch of archive footage happens. A gunshot is heard and Alex reassures Michael that they're just trying to scare them. Friendly tells Alex to bring out Kate, but she asks Danny to do it instead. She asks Michael about Claire and the baby. After they send our heroes back home, Friendly gives out the guns and Alex has to knock Michael out. So he spits in Friendly's face and you know what? Maybe he deserves that. Okay, so um, I actually have a question here. Had we met Alex before other than that one Claire episode? No. No, okay. That was the first time that we learned that was Alex, but we had heard her name in the hunting party. He says, bring her out, Alex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't think, like, I don't think the writers had decided at 211 who Alex was or if, or like she hadn't been cast yet. Okay. So that's why she asks Danny to do it, to do it because then they send out Danny. Gotcha. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah, and I yeah, think, yeah. I think in the hunting party, if you even see the person who brings her out, it's, like, definitely not Alex. Like, they, you, like, don't see a face. Yeah, or yeah. it's, like, some sort of, or, like, it's a just a larger man, really, rather than it definitely being Alex. Oh, a small girl. Yeah, like, it's supposed to be, um, like, she's 16. She's a 16-year-old girl, and she's out here doing this stuff. Yeah. So that's why they send out Danny, and honestly, I think it's a really great way for them to, to have retconned that. Yes! Totally. And I think that Alex has lots of reasoning to ask Danny, not only because she want, she doesn't want to, like, go out and see those people, she doesn't really want to bring out Kate, but also because that's her opportunity to ask Michael about Claire because she, she only she asks, genuinely cares. Yeah, and she only asks after Danny is gone and she's the only other around. Yeah. Bring her out, Alex! Go on. You. Come on, Alex. Please. Let's go. Up. Up. Claire, okay? Did you have the baby? Is it okay? Is it a boy or a girl? I mean, definitely like a slip up on her part if like they knew that she was asking those questions because then they like know that they're like... Yeah, that's a good point. Like, she... Of- took a, gam- a gamble to even ask. Yeah. Totally. I mean, that's why she that's why she had to be alone for that and just hope that nobody heard her because yeah. because then everybody would assume that she's the one who helped Claire escape, which was a huge no-no. Mm-hmm. But love her. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, Alex should have been on my list. Oh, but she would have been anyway. That's okay. She can be on your list. Yeah. So, Friendly gets spit in the face, and you know what? He deserves it. And Friendly even gets it. He's like, you know what? That's fair. He literally is like, okay. He's like, you know what? That's fair, but let's not do it again, because it was kind of gross. He's like, I understand. So, Danny brings in Kate, and he's told if he makes a sound, he'll never see Walt again. And you know what? Why would he want to make a sound anyway? Because he's trying to run away from all these people who are coming after him. Exactly. So it's kind of a win-win for Michael, except, you know, he's tied up. So then we get Alex. And I thought that the only time that we saw Alex the first time was in 215 when we see her with Claire. But on Lostpedia, it says the first time that we see her is in the hunting party. Oh, and I don't I don't think that's true because they, they have Danny bring her out. Anyway, shout out to Tanya who plays Alex because I love her. Okay, she's great. Um, So she says to Michael that they're trying to scare them to deliver a message. Like they're not trying to hurt anybody in this time. Like she tells them they're not trying to hurt anybody. I mean, you know what, Alex? Probably not you. You're not trying to hurt yeah, anybody. Yeah, I was going to be like, I'm pretty sure everyone else is trying to hurt people. But. Yeah. Or like just trying to get them to leave. And it's just helpful that they're also taking away a bunch of guns that could be used to hurt them. Exactly. Is this archive footage necessary for the episode before the finale? No. Like this it feels is like episode, they're filling time. This is the episode right before the finale. Yeah. 
I just, like, was surprised to see how much archive footage was in it. It genuinely feels like it's one of those things where, like, they were burned out at the end of the season and they needed to, like, add in a little bit more stuff. So they did this. I have a question. I have an answer. Who was in the hunting party when, like, when they were stopped by the others? Like, of our heroes? Yeah. Jack, Locke, and Sawyer. And then Kate got brought out as a hostage. Wait, but what about Hurley? Hurley wasn't there. Hurley wasn't there. Okay, so then is that why they, like, take their guns and leave? Because my whole thing is that if they need those people, why didn't they just take them? Like, Kate was I mean, right- that's fair. Kate, Kate was right there. This is this is 211, and Henry gets caught in 214. Yeah, they need oh, they need okay. them as leverage. Yeah. Oh, They're right. Like, bring us, like, the captors. Yeah. Henry right. hasn't been caught yet. Oh, right. Okay. The idiot. Mm-hmm. Or the very smart man. Two things can be true. So they divvy up the guns, and Alex has to knock him out because she has to keep up, uh, keep up her- her facade. Keep up appearances. Yeah. All right. So moving away from 13 days later, we are now at 11 days later. So two days later, the others lead Michael, who is very tired, to their go. Two days later from the 13th. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's exactly like he described, complete with a mysterious hatch guarded by two armed men. They sit Mike down and Danny extracts his blood. What for? I don't know. Who's to say? Enter Mrs. Clue or Ms. Clue, I guess, who asks Michael a bunch of questions about Walt's life and upbringing. Michael confesses that he doesn't know because he wasn't there. So they walked a day and a night with no rest. And I'm like, but so have the others. Like, are they not also tired? Yeah, but they're probably used to this. I don't know. I guess. Who's to say? Um, so he sees the rock with the hole in it, just like Walt said. Yeah. So he knows he's in the right place. Um, it's just like this little town, little village. It, uh, it's a little town, a quiet village. You know, every day like the one before. God damn it. A uh, little town full of little people mm-hmm. waking up to say, Michael, we're going to take your blood. And do you know anything about Walt? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I'm so mad at you right now. <laughs> I knew the minute you said little town, I'm like, here we go. <laughs> So, yeah, they don't have any shoes, just like Michael said, like, this part wasn't a lie. You yeah. Know? Like, all he know, all he's lying about, really, is I didn't kill those people, and um, I'm asking you guys specifically for no particular reason, you know? Like, everything else is true. He truly thinks that, like, they could take him. He says that, you know, they have two armed guards, that they don't wear any tap, where they don't, that I don't wear any shoes, that it's just, like, a little shanty town where, um, what so I just started, your words started pairing with the rhythm in my brain, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Waking up to say, bonjour. 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 <laughs> there goes the baker with his tray, like always. But anyway, Michael wasn't lying about everything, I guess, is the point. Yeah, Michael was telling the truth. Mm-hmm. But also, like, Michael said that they were all barefoot, and I guess one dude forgot, <laughs> and you can see a dude wearing flip-flops behind Michael. Okay, but know? maybe Michael didn't see flip-flop man, Callie. Yes, guess so. <laughs> I, like, I like to think that he, like, missed the memo, like Callie said, yeah. and one of them was like, damn it, Fred, you have your freaking flip-flops on again. <laughs> It's like, oh no, do we have to do the whole takeover again? No, just leave it in. We just don't have the CGI budget to to edit out his flip-flops. No, so, no, no, I, I mean, th- yeah, no, the, I think like, the the universe, one of the others is like, oh. damn it, Fred, you have your freaking shoes on, you loser. I love that. What are those? My flip-flops, are you're not supposed to be wearing What are those? What they are, those? are my flip-flops. So they're guarding the Dharma station, and it looks like the logo is like a square or a rectangle or something like that. Um, genuinely cannot say anything about this without being spoilery, so gonna go ahead and just um, uh, take that and put it in the back for now. 
Hey, neat. Um, but a fun fact from Lovepedia, one of the others guarding the door in three minutes is portrayed by Bob. His name is Bob G., a background cast member who also played a background tail section survivor in the other 48 days. Um, they're usually better with this. Yeah, that's surprising. Uh, but the Losties noticed. You know it. Like, the people of Lostpedia, when you can't, you can't pull the wool over their eyes. Did Bob die? Uh, as yeah. As a tailie. Wait. A lot of the tail section survivors got taken away by the others, so maybe we can say, so like... that he was... Canonically, he got turned into an yeah. other, and now he's here? I'm fine with that. That's what I was thinking. That you could explain it like that. I guess so. Hmm. I'll go with that headcan. What is your story, Bob? What is your story? What's new? So they're there now, obviously, and um, Friendly says to go tell Ms. Clue that they're here. Um, Danny extracts some of Michael's blood. What are they taking the blood for? I don't know. Potentially, like, more tests on Walt, just to, like, check to make sure that they... I mean, she comes up and asks if he's his biological father, but I guess maybe they're making sure that they're... I think it was just a mess with him. You think? Yeah. They were like, oh, let's freak him out. Let's take his blood. Sure. Um, so then Danny walks away and says, see you in the funny pages. What the heck does that mean, sir? What freaking funny pages? Like, I feel like that's like, it's a... It's a comic. It's a saying, like, see you in the funny pages. I just don't know what it means. I'm gonna look it up. It means see you in the comics of a newspaper. No, but like, what does it actually mean as a saying? Oh, sorry. Maybe they took the blood to like also confirm that he's Walt's father, but also like maybe Walt's kind of like superpower mind stuff is like the mind, but also maybe he has like a different chemical or something in his blood. And maybe they're like, maybe seeing if it's like hereditary or if Walt was just maybe like born with it. Mm -hmm. This was the weakness of the Walt plotline is they didn't explain it. Yes. Yeah, they didn't explain enough. Um, I feel like that's not a spoiler to be like, hey, you're never going to get these answers. Well, there's some stuff. But not, but not satisfactory as, Yeah, not as much as you'd, as you'd like, probably. But um, yeah, I think that the problem would be like that there's no way to get Susan's yeah. blood. So it's like, how do I, it, you know, how do you, either way the data yeah. is missing some pieces um so see you in the funny pages except on here it's called see you in the funny papers but i feel like they might have changed it just because it makes more sense to say funny pages it means i'll see you later as in goodbye what i've heard people say that see you in the funny pages means i'll see you later as in goodbye but i always thought it meant goodbye as in i'll never see you again i thought it was used when somebody meant to say i'll see you on the other side or something and then somebody answered see you in the funny papers this jocular farewell suggests that the person addressed is rather laughable Mm. So, I think in in this context, that's what it means. That he's just making fun of him? Yes. Oh, yeah, he's like, like we're totally taking advantage of you. Can't wait to see you later, lol. Precisely. Gotcha. Um, so they ask if he's his biological son. When did he start speaking? Did he have any illnesses? They know that they're studying him, but Michael doesn't have any of the answers um, because he wasn't there. Has he ever appeared where he shouldn't? Yes, he has. With Shannon? Yes. But um, does Mike, Michael doesn't know that, does he? Michael doesn't know that, and because this happened while he was with the Tailies. So he can't answer that question with yeah. any kind of authority. Right, and I have spoiler thoughts on that. Okay. She says that he doesn't seem to know much about his son, which is the same thing that the lawyer said to him in in 414. In 114, in special. That's why he said he was doing his best. I know. But yeah, um, cool parallel. Yeah, big fan. Hello, Michael. Where's my son? My name is Miss Clue. I was hoping you might help me answer some questions. About Walt. Where is he? Is he your biological son? What? Are you his father? 
Yes, I'm How old was he when he started speaking? I... He... Did he have any illnesses growing up? Headaches, fainting spells? What? No! I don't... I wasn't there. He, he was halfway around the world. Why are you asking me all these Did questions? Walt ever appear in a place he wasn't supposed to be? You say he was halfway around the world, but did you see? I want my son. You bring him to me right now. I want to see my boy. For someone who wants his son back so badly, you don't seem to know much about him, Michael. All right, moving on to three days ago. Eight days later, Mike is being held hostage in one of the tents. Clue enters, bringing him dinner. Mike wants to know when he'll be killed. He doesn't have any useful answers for them. She tells him that one of their people was captured by his people, and he has the ability to set him free. If he does that, and also brings back Kate, Jack, Sawyer, and Hurley, they'll let he and Walt go home. He demands to see Walt, and she gives them three minutes to talk. Walt says he's okay, they just ask him to take tests. He asks about Vincent. He says that the others aren't who they say they are. He gets ushered out by Pickett, and Michael agrees to set Henry free. Walt is brave, ten-year little boy. He is so small, mm -hmm. yet he does what needs to be done. He knows what the stakes are. Yeah. He knows what information needs to be. But, like, it's just unfortunate that Michael doesn't take that information and do anything with it because yeah. he knows that there's something else he has to do. It's like, that's an afterthought. Like, the first thing is, Walt needs to be saved. Then we deal with the fact that they're not who they say they are. You know? Precisely. Has he been tied up since 11, 11 days ago? Because that's eight days he's been tied up. Because he said, yeah. I've, you've been asking me questions for a week. So I guess so. Yeah, literally, um... I went and looked and, like, that's where he's been. Yeah. That's been his life is just mm -hmm. them interrogating him about a child that he never got to raise and him coming up short in their minds. Yeah, for eight days. Yep. Oh, ah, ah. Uh, <laughs> what, one of the numbers? Yeah. So he knows that he's going to be killed because he knows too much and is currently no use to them. It's like when you know that you're going to get murdered because the killer isn't wearing a mask. Yeah. So, like, the concept basically is, like, if there's a person who's, like, hurting you who's wearing a mask, they're probably not going to kill you because you can't see their face. But if they have nothing to lose, if they're not wearing a mask, then you know that they'll probably kill you because you could recognize them. If they and identify to the, the police. Yeah. So she says one of their people was captured. So the big question is, did Henry get captured on purpose? And we've been asking this question basically every episode, and we've come to the conclusion of yes. Yes. At this mm -hmm. point. So they wanted to use Michael to get, to get, like, Jack and everybody to come, I guess. But also I feel like Henry also wanted to get insight. Mm -hmm. for the others that's the thing is it's like was he not supposed to be there for that long i wonder or like maybe he was supposed to be able to escape by this time and now he needs help because they figured out that he's not hen actually henry gale that's literally what i was just thinking about because i was like if he wasn't supposed to be captured they wouldn't need leverage right like they, michael wouldn't have to do any of this so something went wrong like he he screwed up so i, I think he went there ate his cereal and then was just like oh thank you for helping me out and then like maybe like go off or like oh I'm gonna try and go off on my own and blah 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 but then they realize something was up and then they're like okay now he's captured 
Right. So they started talking to Michael on the computer before they found Henry. So they must have been trying to manipulate Michael into coming there anyway. And then they were just going to either use him as a hostage, just like they were for for Walt, or they were going to use him for whatever they needed to use him for. Mm -hmm. And then Henry gets there, is planning on infiltrating them and being their friend, even though like literally Ethan happened and they, like he expects them to trust them him again for yeah. some reason. It's like, you're an idiot. But um, then he gets found out. And so now there's like literally no way he can possibly get out. So that's why they need Michael's help. Yeah. Okay. He basically, he, I think he underestimated them. Mm -hmm. So they didn't actually want to you to lose Walt, but it's more important for them to get Henry out of there yep. than it is to have Walt. Yep. I think is basically what's happening here. Um, so Danny brings in Walt. Finally, Michael has agency and can do something after being tied up for so long. He literally is like, now you're asking me for something so I can ask you for something. Yeah, he has he has something to trade. He's of use. So Walt looks at Ms. Clue before he answers, but he answers the way that she doesn't want anyway. So why look at her then? Because she's like, not his teacher, but like she's kind of like his captor. His she's the person. She's the person who's been like holding on to him. And she says things that are like cryptic to us but obviously mean something to him and so he looks at her and she kind of gives him a look like don't you dare but he does it anyway because he knows what the stakes are i guess you could say she's his abuser basically and he's looking at an abuser like weighing the options like mm -hmm. if i do this how badly will you hurt me right and she says something about a room yes and he gets like pretty taken back by that yeah so it's like that's um it's... that's spoilers yeah i was gonna say i can't remember if that is ever answered. It is. Okay. Uh, that's, but it's spoilers. But also, like, can't Michael kind of weigh the options? Like, like I wouldn't necessarily call one of those tents a room. So right. I would trust Walt's word that they're not who they say they are. Well, I think he trusts Walt's word anyway. No, I know. But, like, it was kind of like a... Like a it was almost like a hint. Up. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. I understand. And of course, just like a kid, he starts asking about Vincent. And it's like, this is not the time to ask about your dog, but God, I respect you. Yeah, it's like, oh, you should go out and check on him. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, Walt says they're not who they say they are, which we'll talk about in the spoiler section. Walt runs to hug him, and I just like, they've come so far. Yep. And he's, and they say that they love each other, and it's just like time to cry because it's such a big moment. Especially if you rewatch 114 before this, and like Michael said, like, you're coming with me, like, Brian wants to keep you but it's up to me so we're we're going and Walt says I'm not going anywhere with you like I don't even know you and yep. all those fights they had like, in season one. Walt doesn't understand that like Michael took a bullet for him basically. Totally. They make me take tests. They make you what? We're not going to talk about that. <gasps> How's Vincent? Well, Vincent's he's great. He's great. He misses you. Hey, don't, don't, don't be scared, man. Don't be scared. It's gonna be over real soon, okay? I'm gonna get you out of here, okay? They're not who they say they are. Well, they're pretending! You want me to put you in the room again? Pretending? Pretending what? Okay, that's it. We're done. No, 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 wait. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Come here, come here. Wait, come here. Come here, wait. I'm oh, sorry, come here. Dad, don't leave me. Help me, please. Don't leave me. Don't. I won't, man. I'm gonna take you. I'm gonna get you out of here, okay? I promise you, I will get you out of here, okay? Dad! Dad! Let him go! Whoa, wait! Let go of him! I love you! Whoa, I'm gonna get you out of here! I love you! Whoa, I love you too, Walt! Let me go! Let me go! Whoa, I'm gonna get Dad! you out of here!
I think it's a much bigger moment when you realize, like, the kind of hesitation Michael did. Because it's not like, I love you, I love you. It's like, Dad, I love you. And then he's like, I'm going to get you back. And Walt's like, Dad, I love you. And then Michael's like, I, I love you, too. Yeah. You know, like, it's not just like, you say it, I'll say it back. It's like... Like, this is a huge moment like, for Walt dad, to say yeah. something to him. Like, you are my dad and I love you. Yeah. Well, I also think that, like, signifies to Michael that this is a very, very big deal. And yes. he's very afraid that something bad is going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, the three minutes are is actually just one minute and 12 seconds, but that's because he gets ushered out because he's mm-hmm. breaking the rules. Um, so the list that he needs to bring back is Jack, Kate, Hurley, and Sawyer. Michael doesn't actually know Sawyer's real name, so she has to tell him that it's actually Sawyer. That genuinely cracked me up when we were watching. Does Does anyone else know that Tom Ford is Sawyer's real name? Tom Ford. First of all, James Ford. Tom Ford. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah Michael knows it. Or, sorry, uh, Locke, Locke knows. Okay. Kate knows. I think... Kate knows because she um, doesn't. She call him James. No, Ju- Juliet calls him James. Oh my god! Oh, so many shippers just went. Ah! Yeah, Maria, I'm sorry. <laughs> Locke definitely knows okay. because he talks about like how he chose that name and everything. Mm-hmm. Kate knows that his name isn't actually Sawyer, but I don't know if she knows what his name actually is. But Locke knows for sure. <laughs> What doesn't Locke know? Jack was there when Locke asked. Like, I think Jack was there when Locke said, your name's actually James Ford. Why do you go by Sawyer? So I think Jack knows, like, indirectly. Mm. But yeah. Okay. So they need to bring these four people. Oh, that's one of the numbers. No more, no less. Has to be these four people. You can't bring anybody extra. And you have to come with all four of these people. Until now in the episode. This is very close to the end of the episode. We don't understand why he's being so adamant about who comes and who doesn't. I still am not sure why he's so adamant. Because she says on the list that he has to bring those four people. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, why was she so adamant about that? Well, we can't talk about that now. But, like, all episode, I mean, I've seen the episode before, so I'm watching knowing what's going on. Mm -hmm. But I, like, tried to put my brain into somebody who's never seen it before and you're probably just you're sitting there and you're like why does he care so much that Hurley comes exactly you know why why is he attacking Hurley when it's like what's Hurley even going to do why would you why would you want to bring Hurley over Saeed and Hurley's just gone through something so like why won't you leave Hurley alone like let Hurley mourn so until now you don't understand but now you do obviously they'll let them both go free if he does this um he also wants the boat which I assume is the one that they stole Walt with yeah, that, I was thinking it was like that, not fishing boat, but like, it looked like yeah. a trolling boat or something. Yeah, or something. So that's what I've got for the flashes. And then we move on to what happens in the present. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Robin. Can you tell me about Patreon? Yeah, Patreon is a service you can donate monthly to your favorite creators. Cool. So like, for example, if we were your favorite creator, you could go to patreon.com slash and donate money to us. And that way we can pay for our hosting fees because they're $200 a podcast at this point and that's really expensive and stressful. Yikes. And, okay, so here's the thing. If you donate, starting at a dollar, by the way, it's such a bargain, but if you donate starting at a dollar, you get early access to our pods by like at least a day. Depends on how fast Robin edits. Sometimes she puts them up, especially the Lost Pod, she'll put up early just for fun. Mm -hmm. And that's so nice of her. It's great. And every year we send out custom postcards to all of our Patreon sponsors so you'll get a custom postcard from us and i redesign them every year um and then also so say you can't donate you know what also helps telling your friends tell your friends about our podcasts tell them to listen and then maybe they'll give us money 
That's totally free. Yeah. Telling a friend is totally free. And you know what else is totally free? Giving us little stars on iTunes. Ooh, that's true. That is free. Yeah. I, I heard that. that. I heard that. If you want to go on every single one of our podcasts that you listen to and give us stars, I would love that. Speaking of money, you guys might remember when I brought up the Cancer Gets Lost charity auction that came up. Um, well, when this com- came out, comes out, it was last month, but I mentioned that all I really want is the I Heart My Shih Tzu t-shirt um, signed by Jorge Garcia, which doesn't make sense to you if you um, haven't seen season five, but, uh, it makes sense to me. And I've been waiting for like three full auctions for that. I heard my Shih Tzu t-shirt and I just want to let everyone know that I won. I won it. I am so happy for you. And I'm so excited. Literally the text I got was just like ultimate jubilation. I could hear her yelling, even though I was in a different part of the city. I was very excited yeah. to have won it. Yeah. And I am really pleased. I am thank you for you. Thank you. So now we're going to be moving on to all the stuff that happens in the present. Cool. Present. We're still in 2004. (gasps) All right, Kelly, how old were you in 2004? I don't like this game. I was eight, seven, six. No. You were born in 1998. Uh huh. 2004 plus two. Yeah. Oh shit. Holy shit. Well, that was iconic. I was six. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I was nine. I don't want to play this game. How old were you, Brittany? I don't know, Robin. How old was I? Because I can't do math. 2004? And I was born in 89. So 15? Cool. Damn. I was six. Yeah, I was really... Ha ha ha, I'm really old. (laughs) Shut up, you guys. Anyway, okay, this is my um, summary for the first scene that happens in the present. All my friends are dicks. Michael looks at the list he was given and burns it. I think it was pretty easy to memorize, so he probably didn't even need it, but okay. Yeah. Jack catches him, and Michael says he's just getting some air. They go inside the hatch where Sawyer tells them they only have 11 guns because five of them were taken from them. They discuss what the plan is. Jack wants to bring a bunch of people. He was training an army with Anna, after all. But Michael only wants the five of them. The only reasoning he has is that it should be his way because it's his son. Okay, but, like, you're not making any points as to why it needs to be these people and these people only. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Jack agrees for some reason and spends the rest of the episode defending Michael. They take the bodies out to be buried and they say they'll make more decisions tomorrow. I mean, I feel like it's pretty obvious why Jack agreed, which is, like, Michael literally says to him, you're not a dad. Right. And so Jack's like, you know what? I'm not. I don't know what it's like to lose a child. And if it were my dad, I would hope that he would do this for me. Yeah. I I also pinpointed that exact moment as like Jack's flip this episode. Yeah. Because you can tell when he says, do you have a son, Jack? And Jack's face totally changes. So yeah, I definitely agree. How many? Rifles and pistols, 11 total. That's it? That's it. In case you forgot, they took five of them right off us. How long would it take us to get to their camp? We leave now, move fast? Middle of the night tomorrow. Look, they have no idea I know where they are. They won't be expecting us. So we get the guns and we go right now. Just the five of us. No, no, five's not enough. You said there's at least 20 of them. They've got our guns. And and we're not even sure if what you saw was... Hey, I know what I saw. We take too many people to hear us coming. Not taking a damn army across the island, Jack. Michael, are you sure you're in the best place to be making decisions for all of us right now? You got a son, Jack? They're dead! Um, so Michael burns the note and you can kind of like read the note. Like if you were a really 
dedicated person who was watching it for the first time, if you wanted to pause and like read the note through the note or read the writing through the note, you probably could. Mm -hmm. But luckily you don't have to wait very long because you learn what it says later. Almost immediately, yeah. There was a thing on Lostpedia where like this note is pink and then in the other scene it's actually yellow, but that's kind of explained by like this being daylight and that scene being fully like at night beside a fire. So I think it's just a lighting issue there and I don't think that that was a screw up. Okay. So he burns the note and um, Betty Cooper needs to take notes. Stop! Brittany, can you explain that? Betty Cooper? Yeah. From Riverdale? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so her mom gave her answers to cheat on a trivia quiz show. And (laughs) Betty was like, I don't want to use these, but what I'll do is throw it away in this garbage can really obviously. And then later, when someone goes through the garbage, I'll get caught. And then I'll get suspended and what I should have done was literally anything but that (laughs) like she just rips it up into like nine pieces and then throws it away and I'm like you know what that's better than just putting the full the full paper but it's still just like dumbass.com yeah it's like or you could rip it up into pieces and then flush it down the toilet or you could literally just put it in your pocket because nobody's gonna search you or you could burn it or you could eat it yeah I was big team just eat it. (laughs) So, um, yeah, Betty, why don't you burn things when they're a secret? I don't know. So Michael says he's just getting air. Um, and then they go back into the hatch. Hurley, of course, is like looking at the bodies because he's really going through something right now. And honestly, leave him to it. He deserves, he deserves the time. Yeah. Like there's honestly, there's no talking to Hurley right now, but there's also like, I don't blame him. Yeah. Like when he was like, they're dead and it like interrupted that conversation Mm -hmm. in the tracks. I was like, finally someone with perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That I had that written down too. Is that like, they were all like talking about this and then Hurley's just like um two people died yeah like can we just take a moment and like kind of realize that and you have to have characters like that yeah you have to because if you allow deaths to just skate by then life has no meaning anymore Mm -hmm. right so your characters become deadened to actual death like they don't feel it anymore there are Denise stakes exactly so they have 11 guns left and they're like that's it and Sawyer's like yeah the others took five from them so how many guns did they have before the others took the other five I don't know how to do math 11 guns and the others took five of them so how many did they have before the others six 16 Oh, 11 plus 5 is 6. Oh, I did 11 minus 5. Mm. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, everybody. <gasps> That's a number! <laughs> Wait, do they really plan all of that? I assume so. How in the hell do they do crap like that? So Michael says that if they leave, like, that night or something like that, they can get there in the middle of the night tomorrow. Does that include sleeping? Or no. are they just, they're just going? Yeah, that's, like, just constant walking. Okay. So he's like, let's go, the five of us, right now. The five, Like, everybody who's in this room, all of us are gonna go. Because this is the exact people that he needs. But you know what, Michael? That's too easy. Yeah, he's like, hey, let's all just go right now, right now, immediately. And everyone's like, one, two, three, four, huh? and me, let's go. Too easy. Way no. too easy. So, of course, it has to be different. Difficult. So Michael and Jack start fighting over who makes decisions because that's Jack's life. Yeah, I was going to be um, like, oh, okay, so Locke can relate. So he says, do you have a son, Jack? Because the stakes are higher than you know. And of course, Jack actually takes that to heart. Which I think is to Jack's credit mm-hmm. because Jack often, and we talked about this earlier, would dismiss Claire's concerns as just a nervous mom yeah. and doesn't have much respect for 
parents who are concerned for their children. Yeah. But I do really love Michael's story in the way that it's like about a father and his son because we get so many stories about mothers and their children and I really love hearing a story about a father. You know what I mean? Well, and because it helps contribute to erasing the normalization of toxic masculinity where you have Michael unabashedly saying, I love my son. I would die for my son. I will cry over my son. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, a lot of, like, you know, things, like, Taken, like, with Liam Neeson, it's like, I'm a badass and I'm gonna avenge my son. And it's like, but you need the emotional stakes, too. Mm -hmm. You know? They have to, they have to actually care. Yeah. And I like the part where, like, Jack is taken back. How, like, you know, like, he doesn't have a son and, like, the stakes are higher than he knows. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, couldn't you also, couldn't he also take that as, like, also, like, a doctor? That, like, he does, he doesn't have a son, but, like, he knows stakes of, like, you know, being someone taken or, you, you like, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, and, like, we've talked about this before because Jack is usually pretty dismissive of Claire's concerns over Aaron. Totally. And, obviously, like, part of that is, like, Jack's ingrained sexism because, like, you know, <laughs> Jack... Jack is a good character and he becomes a really good man, but he also has like a lot of really sexist tendencies. And, and but I also think like that's fully on purpose. Yeah, it absolutely, he's it is. not supposed to be perfect. No, he's not because if he was perfect, it would be boring. Mm-hmm. But that was one of the things that I clocked when we were watching this is he readily accepts Michael's concern for Walt. Yeah, but if it's a mother concerned for her son, he might take a minute. But I also think that Jack tries to learn, you know? 100%. Jack because, is always evolving. Because um, in 110, which is the last episode that we had you on for, <laughs> <laughs> it's an audio podcast, Kelly. <laughs> you guys are idiots. He dismisses her concerns and then she full on gets taken. Yep. And, yeah. and of course, we see in 111, he starts freaking out. He knows that it was his fault that this happened because he ignored her, right? Yeah. Which is yeah. why it's kind of disappointing because when, when the exact same thing happens in maternity leave in 215, something similar happens. Yep. And so he he's like always learning. And I feel like it kind of sucks that we can't see him having learned with Claire. I was just about to say it sucks that he learns at Claire's expense. Yeah. yeah. But it's nice that he is learning. If that's what he's doing. Yeah, like, if you want to give him, like, the bare minimum of a credit, it's like, hey, at least your bedside manner's improved. (laughs) You know? A little bit. (laughs) So, yeah, like you said, Hurley puts it into perspective. Libby and Anna are both dead. And we're not talking about that. We're just thinking about how it happened rather than why or what we should do about it. Exactly. So they say that they will bury them tonight, and then they'll go from there. And I just wanted to say that I am really soft about Sawyer being, like... Stop there. It just makes sense. Yeah, it's true. But, like, the fact that Jack is like, Kate, will you help? Kate says yes. And he goes, Sawyer. And Sawyer just goes, yes. Because Sawyer, even though he's a jerk sometimes, he knows when to take things seriously. Yeah, it is hard. Sawyer's a good man. Yeah. He's just also kind of a dick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sawyer's a Republican. Yeah. And it's really sad to say, but it's true. It's like Sawyer's a Republican and then, spoiler, 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 and then he's like, mm, maybe um, I have the capacity to learn and like be more progressive. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, you know... We were watching season one, especially early season one, talking about Sawyer being like, this guy sucks, actually. And it's hard to see him like that, knowing where he goes. But I think- But he truly does suck there. Oh, for sure he truly sucks. But, like, I think season two is when, like, there's a lot of turning points for Sawyer, I feel like. Yeah. But we don't have to worry about talking about how garbage he is this season because he's already made huge improvements. Yeah, it's definitely, you can see Sawyer's evolution. Mm -hmm. Michael cleans up Libby's blood from the ground in the hatch. Mr. Echo sneaks up on him. He took his shoes off outside due to muddiness. (laughs) 
You understand. Robin just loves this line. <laughs> Mike asks if Echo believes in hell, and Echo tells him a story of a boy who beat his dog to death because he bit his baby sister. Echo told the boy that God would forgive him for this, but the boy wasn't worried about being forgiven. He was afraid that if he went to hell, the dog would attack him back. He was afraid of retribution. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you guys feel about the fact that Michael, like everyone else leaves, Michael's alone in the hatch, and Michael cleans Libby's blood himself? I feel like that's a bare minimum of what he owes her. I feel like that's kind of like karma. Like he's cleaning up his mess, like Mm -hmm. his doing, you know? Atonement. Yeah. Yeah. But like, he's gonna make it worse by bringing the four people, you know? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, oh, I'm cleaning up my mess, but I'm gonna go make another one. Yeah, it's kind of like he fell into a pit. Like if you think of, um, like at the beginning of season two, when they were thrown into that pit, it's like Mm -hmm. he fell into that pit and him cleaning up the blood, him telling Sun and Jin that they were murdered, him um, doing this, doing that, being at the funeral, is like him trying to like claw his way up to the top of the thing. But he knows that as soon as he leaves and as soon as he turns over his friends to the others, he's going to fall back into the pit again. Yeah. You know? Like, it's like so, it's like a bajillion steps back, couple steps forward, and then more steps back. It almost feels like he's trying to reset the karmic balance. Yeah. Like, there's some kind of like, this is the bare minimum of what I can do because I know I am about to hurt people again. Yeah. Right. It's like those YouTube videos where it's like everybody stop, starts at one line and then it's like, take a step forward if this, take a step forward if that. You know, and it's about privilege and it's like, take a step forward if your parents are still married, take a step forward if you didn't have to go hungry or, you know, stuff like that. And then at the end, you see how far away everybody is. Yeah. And it feels like Michael started in one place and went so, so, so far back. And every single thing that he does this episode, like that seems like he's trying to find atonement is like him taking more steps forward. Yeah. Because he wants to make it up to the place where everybody else is again. Yeah. But he knows that he's he's going to fall back down again, like I said. Yeah. Whereas I think it's like him like recognizing that even though he did this horrific thing, there's still humanity in him, you know? Like, he can still choose to solve his own problems and, like, I don't know, try to reset that balance, I guess? He's, yeah, it's like he's trying to get back to the place where he started so that he can mess up again. And it should, honestly, it's just also an act of kindness. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't know if we're attributing too much of an agenda to this when it, it could just be that he's just trying to be a good person. Right. Because he's done some pretty shit stuff. Mm-hmm. So Echo comes in and he left his muddy shoes outside, which is, first of all, just very polite. Mm-hmm. And Callie said something while we were rewatching the episode this morning. She said, it's nice that he took his shoes off before he came inside. You know, it's kind of like something that you do. It's like Michael said at the beginning of the episode 13 days ago. He said, old habits, you know, that's why he's looking at his watch. It's like old habits. I take off my shoes before I go inside. You know yeah. what I mean? But that reminded me of something. Well, he Echo's moving in there. So it's going to be his house. So when I come home, I take off my shoes. Right. And also, but like, even like logistics wise, who gave Echo permission to move in there? Nobody. God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but like, technically nobody else got permission, you know? Like, Jack just happened to be the person living there because... He's, he's like, Jack. he's Jack or whatever. But anyway, the thing that Callie reminded me of, since this episode is so intertwined with the hunting party, it reminded me of something that Tom Friendly says in the clearing. It was part of the archive footage scene, but we didn't see it mm-hmm. in this episode. He says, tell me, you go over to a man's house for the first time. Do you take off your shoes? Oh. Do you put your feet up on his coffee table? Tell me, you go over a man's house for the first time. Do you take off your shoes? You put your feet up on his coffee table? 
You walk in the kitchen, eat food that doesn't belong to you, open the door to rooms you got no business opening. You know, somebody a whole lot smarter than anybody here once said that since the dawn of our species, man's been blessed by curiosity. You know the other one about curiosity, don't you, Jack? This is not your island. This is our island. And the only reason you're living on it is because we let you live on it. And I think we saw parts of that. But the fact that you said it's funny that he takes his shoes off. And Tom said, do you go over to a man's house for the first time? Do you take off your shoes? Yeah. And he was talking about the hatch. Yeah, holy crap. I don't know if they, like, meant to do that. But, like, that's that was cool. That would, that's what it reminded me of when, when you said that. Which I loved. <laughs> I remember we were watching it and you were like, it's nice that he took off his shoes. And I literally was like, <gasps> and everyone's like, she's just talking about shoes, but oh, okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, also, before when, like, Michael was cleaning up his mess, mm-hmm. he asked Echo if he was a priest. Yes. Is that Michael's way of, like, talking about, like, forgiveness or confession, you know? That's what I believe. What do you mean? Like, if Echo was a priest, mm-hmm. Michael's like, oh, that's very interesting, you know? Like, you're he building could a church. He could confess. To Atonement. Echo? To Echo. Atonement. Do you think he would do that before he got, like, everybody back? I think that he m- might be able to find absolution in Echo without without having actually yes, yeah. confessing. Gotcha. But, like, just knowing that he was a priest and having that higher, higher power, I feel like that's Michael's kind of curiosity. Yeah, being right. in the presence of a holy man. Exactly. But he doesn't, but he doesn't get what he wanted from that conversation with Echo. No, no. For a brief time, I served in a small parish in England. Every Sunday after Mass, I would see a young boy waiting at the back of the church. And then one day, the boy confessed to me that he had beaten his dog to death with a shovel. said the dog had bitten his baby sister on the cheek and he needed to protect her and he wanted to know whether he would go to hell for this I told him that God would understand that he would be forgiven as long as he was sorry but the boy did not care about forgiveness He was only afraid that if he did go to hell, that dog would be there waiting for him. I I like that because he spent a whole bunch of time with Echo on the other side of the island, but he didn't know that about Echo because Echo wasn't speaking at the time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So Echo says that he didn't find Henry, um, and in fact, he wasn't looking for him. So I mean, he's like, um, didn't find him. I'm like, did you even go? <laughs> he went, but he did not look. Yeah. So Michael asks about hell. Um, Echo helps clean, and I thought, like, I just feel like sometimes. The act of cleaning is, like, really, it's, like, washing away your sins? It's catharsis, yeah. And it's funny that, like, Michael was cleaning up the mess, and then Echo came. And came he and he stepped in. Yeah. I do want to say, I love all of the conversations between people of color this episode. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, different dynamics that we don't normally get to see within the characters, and then also, like, there's not as many white people as usual. There's full-on scenes with just people of color. Michael and Echo, Michael and Son and Michael and Clue and Walt. Yep. Like, I just think that's awesome. Like, it was doing it before everyone else was. Mm -hmm. So he tells a story about this kid who beat his dog because the dog hurt his sister. 
God would forgive him, but he specifically said God would forgive him as long as the boy was sorry. It's like, but is he sorry? And it seems like Michael is sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think Michael is sorry, but I think Michael would do it again. For Walt. Yep. Yeah. I think Michael is sorry because I this comes a little later, but he said that they were murdered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't think that's just him way of like saying, oh, Henry murdered them. You know, like it's his way of saying like they were murdered. Yeah, right. he doesn't say they were killed. Or, yeah. or they died. Yeah. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't say they died. Yeah. He says they were murdered. Yeah. And he, he knows it was of, serious. Oh, yeah. Right. He recognizes the fact. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the kid would be forgiven as long as he was sorry, but he what he is afraid of is to see the dog in hell. So the kid would go to hell because he killed the dog, and the dog would go to hell for biting the sister. Yeah. And so they would both be in hell together. Which is, that's a huge, like story i god i love when when lost does these little tiny story times like echo tells these stories Locke does great ones yeah. i remember in 116 it's one of my favorite ones it's the story of when Locke tells the story of his adopted sister and how she fell off the monkey bars and died yeah. and um the golden retriever or or i think it was a golden retriever could have just been a dog came to their house and like slept on his sister's bed and everything it's like i love when they do like what what are the points of these little stories there's so many like so much symbolism you can find in them yeah and i was gonna say like especially with this one it's it's a story of i mean it basically is summed up by maybe there are no good guys like Mm -hmm. it's the circle of retribution and revenge and like the thing about this story is that what echo's telling him is that revenge is actually not the way which is what Echo himself has learned. Mm-hmm. Is like, if you keep perpetuating that same cycle, you'll just be stuck in it until you die. And right. then you'll be stuck in it in the afterlife too. Mm-hmm. Whereas Echo has chosen to break that. And the word revenge is even actually used in the episode. Um, Saeed says that he's disappointed that Michael would assume that he would compromise Walt's safety in the name of revenge. Yep. Um, which he wouldn't. And I believe him for that. But, um, but this isn't... Yeah. Like, as far as... Saeed knows this is purely revenge with no hope of finding Walt, I would guess? Yeah. Michael walks through the jungle and stops to throw up. Jack finds him. He was on his way to check on him. Jack reminds him that they are planning on helping him find his son. Michael insists that it needs to be just the five of them because it will put Walt in more danger the more people come. Why do like, you Okay. Up? And I guess Jack agrees. Yeah. I guess he throws up just because he's so disgusted with himself or like, you know, when when you've got this like uneasy feeling in your in your chest yeah you know like i I, yeah he doesn't throw up anything like it's basically just a dry heave really yeah it's just like i think his body is fighting against what he's like what he's what's what happened i guess basically gotcha and like like, he's he's being so faced with it right now in front of echo yeah and like thinking about it too i don't know i mean like i don't think michael is squeamish i'm squeamish if i thought about it you know i would be like what what are you no, I just think it's funny you were like, and then I was like, and I'm like, oh, nobody can see, nobody can see you. Ed. This is my favorite thing that Callie does is sometimes she forgets that she's on an audio podcast, so she'll just start gesturing, and I think it's well, so I cute. T- I I talk with my hands. Yeah, exactly. I'm well, a it's very also, animated person. I mean, it's hard because like, you're, you're yeah, you you're a huge hand talker. I didn't even think about that. But we're like we're all in the same room, so like really, it's just a conversation that we're having. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like you kind of forget sometimes. So Jack shows up and he's like, "Hey, like we're planning on helping you." And Michael insists that it's got to be just them. And Jack's like, "Okay, fine," because like, do you think that Michael saying, "Do you have a son, Jack?" is enough for Jack to spend the whole episode defending Michael? Mm. 
Because I don't think so, but I don't know what's going through Jack's head. Like, Jack is suddenly chill with Michael taking charge, and I don't know if that one line was enough for that. You're right. I don't think that either. Yeah. I think it needed to happen, and the writers weren't sure exactly how to make it happen, and... This is what they That's did. what they came up with. Yeah. But I, I personally don't think it was enough um, to change Jack's whole perspective through the whole episode. You're right. Maybe it goes back to the part where we were saying that, like, he learned on Claire's ex- expense. Oh, right. Where, like, he was like, okay, I'm gonna learn. You take charge because you know what you're doing. I trust you now. Since that other time, I didn't trust someone. Mm-hmm. But, like, narratively, if you don't dive deep into that, like we talked about, and you were just like, hey, if Jack says this one thing, is that enough? And you're like, hmm, yeah. Maybe. Like, it makes sense if we, like, talk it through, but, like, it also needs to make sense for somebody who's just watching the episode. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, if I was just watching it, I'd be like, and what else? You know what I mean? What about it? We're gonna bring Saeed. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sawyer makes the best points. Like, at no point in this- there's only one point in this episode in which Michael actually makes a good- good enough point for me to be like, okay, that makes sense that- that Saeed can't come. Which was when he said, we're all going after Walt and you're going after Henry. Yeah. That's the only point that I stand. (laughs) It's the only point I acknowledge. Yeah. Uh, Charlie approaches Claire to give her the vaccines that he found on the pallet. He tested it on himself, and he believes that if anyone should have it, it's she and Aaron. Claire thanks him, and Charlie is about to ask her something when she sees that Michael is back, distracting her. I mean, I guess this is, like, the completion of, oh, we're done with Charlie being a dick. Yeah, like, I think we finished with Charlie's garbage storyline a few episodes ago, but this is the actual conclusion. Yeah, because they need to repair this relationship. He's making up with Claire, and he's getting rid of all of the Virgin Marys, so. What do you think he was going to ask Claire? I think, I think, yeah, he says, like, can we talk about, or or he wants to do something, I think. So I think he wants to talk about what happened and find a way to apologize. I mean, he's definitely apologized before, but not in any sort of, like, proper way. You know what I mean? Like, it's been like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, rather than being like, this is why I apologize, this is what I did wrong, this is what I'm going to do to make it better in the future. Yeah, like an acknowledgement of, hey, I f***ed up, here's why. I understand exactly where you were coming from when you didn't want me around. I respect that, and I'm working towards being better can we be friends again yes yeah but either way at the beginning of the scene she does not look comfortable having him there Mm -mm. Um, i mean that's her right totally she hasn't seen echo he talks about how they're building a church and she doesn't seem that impressed by that (laughs) i wouldn't be that impressed by that and so she basically says okay like get to the point like what do you want yeah says that he has the vaccine from the palate he already tried it not to be selfish so that he wouldn't get sick, but to make sure that it's safe for them. They have to take it every nine days, which is so close to eight, but not quite. <laughs> However, I've got a reach from Lostpedia. Are you ready? Yes. It's a big reach. Okay. I don't know who came up with this, but okay, here we go. The instructions on the pneumatic injector say to administer the vaccine every nine days. Nine days equals 216 hours, which is... Half of tw- No. Divided by two is 108. <laughs> I got ball. <laughs> I thought that one was so funny. I was like, like we, okay. gotta make, we gotta make it make sense. I was like, okay, you know what? Sometimes they do stuff like that. I just don't think that this was one of those times. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Sun and Jin are so excited to see Michael. Then they notice the two bodies. Michael tells him that it's Anna and Libby. He explains that they were murdered. It's a little dicey. He explains that they were murdered. Doesn't say by who. Yeah. But they were. So I've got some Korean translations. Okay. Which I love. I love doing that, especially when they don't give us the subtitles. So they're looking at the net, and Sun says, Honey, here too. Aww. 
So that's cute. Jin is so happy to see Michael because he and Michael are very good friends. They're buds. And Jin says, hey, so nice to meet you, which I think he's trying to say so much, to, so nice to see you, um, which I'm sure makes sense in Korean. It's, you know, translations are a little off see, yeah. and, and we understand that. Um, how worried about that? Okay. Okay. So basically he's saying... Hey, it's really nice to see you. I was worried about you. Are you doing okay? That's Very really nice. Sweet. Very nice. You can tell that Mike definitely doesn't feel like he deserves all of these good feelings that everybody's giving him. Everyone's- Is he what? They're welcoming him so positively. Yeah. And he knows what he did. He's like, hey, I just killed one of our friends. He didn't just betray Libby and Anna. He betrayed the trust of every one of these people. Yep. That hurts. Yeah. Oh, I don't like that. Like, being a traitor, you betrayed every single person here. That hurts my feelings. It's really sad. Yeah. And you're gonna do more. And he's about yeah, to do it Yeah, and he's gonna do yeah. it again. He's yeah. like, and I will strike again. So Sun and Jin see the graves being dug. Um, Sun says, oh my goodness, what happened? Then she asks Michael who. He says it was Anna and Libby. And Jin says, no, how? And then Sun says, what happened? And then he says they were murdered. So the fact that he says murdered, like you said, what does this mean coming from him? Is this like to himself a declaration of guilt? Yes. Yes. Like not to anybody else, but to himself. I think it is to himself because like, like you said, mm-hmm. he didn't say, oh, they died. Mm-hmm. They were killed. He recognizes it and he says that they were murdered. Right. Like, I don't think that it was just a front saying, oh, they were murdered by Henry. You know, like, you can see, yeah. you can see, like, it, he just said they were murdered. There's an omission there. Yeah. You're it, totally right. It totally, like, it's a parallel, potentially, to after Boone dies, and they say, oh, it's so sad that Boone died, or whatever, and Jack mm-hmm. says he didn't just die, he was murdered. And he says that, cause, because Jack believes he was murdered by Locke, because Locke didn't give Jack all of the information, which is why Jack couldn't save him, because he couldn't give him the proper treatment. But this is different. This is Obviously. Different. The definition of murder is the unlawful premeditated killing of one human being by another. So they were murdered. I would say Anna is Anna murdered. Was, Anna was premeditated. Yeah. Anna was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah! Well, either way, he knew he was going down there to kill somebody, and it just happened to be Anna. Exactly. Libby was accidental. So if this was in the courts, you would probably say Anna Lucia, first degree murder. Mm -hmm. Libby, second degree murder. Manslaughter. Second degree murder. Why? Manslaughter is when you kill somebody by accident. Well, I guess technically. Technically it was an accident. And so then maybe Anna Lucia would be second degree murder because that's like you decide to kill them in the moment rather than like going, you're like at home and like deciding exactly who you're going to kill and how. Yeah, it's not premeditated. Yeah, okay. So we would say that Anna Lucia was second degree murder and Libby was manslaughter. But either way, not great. I like how we've just decided this for them. But also like, now that we're talking about it, like Libby was an accident but he still said they yeah but also like with manslaughter the main example of manslaughter is like oh i accidentally ran over somebody with my car yeah you know not when you're drunk or anything just in general i accidentally ran somebody over with my car yeah that's manslaughter so it doesn't it, it, like it's hard to say that kill, him killing Libby was manslaughter because he full on did it with his hand on the gun. He shot Libby twice, yeah. you know? Yeah, you're right. But like, ultimately it was an accident. So I guess it would be manslaughter. I mean, I guess it would be up to the jury, <laughs> you know? Yeah, we can't, unfortunately, yeah. we are not the jury. Yeah. yeah. But long story short, an omission. Omission of guilt. Omit. Yeah. Om- and, om- om- and, and admission. Admission. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, so Michael hangs out on the beach with Vincent thinking about Walt. So obviously it's Walt's dog and it's more reminders of Walt because Walt literally just asked about Vincent, like chronologically. Walt asked how Vincent is doing and Michael said he's okay, but Michael's been gone for a week so he doesn't even actually know if Vincent's okay. Yeah, he says he's okay and I'm like, do you know that? Friend? But that's such a parent thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just you immediately say you it. just say, yeah, he's good. Well, Walt doesn't need any more stress. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Sawyer and Jack are grabbing the guns from Sawyer's tent. Sawyer finds some alcohol and takes a big swig. He says, <laughs> he says the Irish drink when someone dies, but neither of them are Irish, so... Yeah, he's like, uh, yeah, you know, the Irish. And Jack's like, huh? <laughs> okay. Sawyer asks about what Jack and Kate were up to when they came upon Michael. Jack tells him they got caught in a net, which is true. Sawyer takes it the wrong way, thinking they were hooking up, and now he's sad. Aw, poor dumb idiot. So he says that the Irish drink when someone dies and neither of them are Irish. So I looked it up, and Shepard, the last name Shepard, is English. And the last name Ford is English, but also could be Irish. So maybe you are Irish, Sawyer. Oh, wow! How much do you do you know of your ancestry? Probably not a lot, because your parents died when yeah. you were, like, a kid. Yeah. So what were you and Kate up to? We got caught in a net, which is 100% true. That fully happened. That All of that happened. Everything he says is correct. It's just that Sawyer is kind of a gossip. Well, if you look at it, Sawyer's face totally changes. He's completely disappointed. He literally looks devastated. Yeah. Which is and kind of fine. It's like Sawyer's not trying to, like, try and steal Kate from Jack for funsies. Like, he's no, trying he... to steal Kate from Jack because he actually likes Kate. Yeah, no, he's actually into Kate. Yeah. But Sawyer, consider this. Jack would never be so blatant even if he was using a euphemism. That's true. Jack would never say that. Jack's not, like, a kiss- he would never kiss and tell. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, and I know that you're right, but I'm upset about it. <laughs> like, even if Sawyer had been like, hey, what were you and Kate doing? And Jack full-on actually was hooking up with Kate, he'd be like, oh, you know, hanging out. Like, Jack would never, ever say this. Yep. Um, so when they leave the tent, Saeed approaches them. He just heard that Henry escaped. They tell Saeed that they're going out to finish this. Saeed wants to come, but Jack says no, because Mike has a specific list of people for some weird reason, and Hurley's on it? <laughs> sure. Sawyer doesn't care about Mike's list and hands Saeed a gun. So I'm on Sawyer's team. Literally no one told Saeed that Henry got away. It's been like two days, and Henry got away, and no one told Saeed who's the person who cared the most about it. Like, don't you think y'all should probably tell, like, the person who's probably the most badass in the camp? But wouldn't he know because Michael confronts him about Saeed wanting to go after Henry rather than Walt? Well, yeah, they're telling Saeed right now that Henry got away. Okay. Yeah, but, like, he, but he didn't know until now. Yeah. You know, it's just like when um, Hurley learned that Libby died last episode when he should have learned ahead of time. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Anna's the one who stopped Saeed from killing Henry. He legit almost killed Henry. Yeah. He, and now she and Libby are dead. Yeah, that was the thing that I, I I kept thinking about that during that scene. I was like, holy shit. Like, Anna is the one who was kind of keeping Saeed in check. Mm-hmm. I think because they had a lot of shared demons. And now she's gone. And Saeed's mm-hmm. uh, kind of a loose cannon. Well, like, I was trying to figure out if Saeed felt, like, really bad about them dying because it was his fault. But I don't think it was. It's just, like, a little bit of regret about not killing Henry because he tried to kill Henry, Anna stopped him. That wasn't, and then Henry presumably killed Anna. So it's like, was it Saeed's fault for not killing Henry? No, because Anna's the one who stopped him, but he might feel bad about it anyway. Yeah. So nobody's seen Locke or Echo since. Michael has seen Echo, actually, but of course they're not, he's not in the scene, so we don't know. Um, Michael says Saeed can't go, but like, maybe Michael just can't know. Like, let's just not tell Michael that he's <laughs> that he's coming. <laughs> um, like, why bring Hurley over Saeed? Other than, like, 
there was a list and he has to. You know, like, it doesn't make sense at this point in the episode. You're like, why would he do that? Exactly. Because it's like, um, eh, hang on. That's the most badass dude in the camp. Mm-hmm. Sawyer bring has that a great one. point. He says he's actually been in a war. If we're going to war, shouldn't we bring him? Exactly. But, like, the reason why, like, he specifically says Saeed can't come and he specifically says that Hurley has to, that's how you know something's off. Even if you're watching it for the first time, you're like, that's, that, like, there's gotta be something going on And here. they yep. still aren't getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, Sawyer thinks that they should bring Saeed, like, a genius. Um, and then I've got a bunch of references to Sawyer's nickname, because he says four in one sentence. Four nicknames in one sentence. That has to be a record. Also, it's a number, but that has to be a record. Right. But first of all, um, from Lostpedia, when Sawyer invites Saeed to accompany the group to assault the other's camp, he hands up a Sig Sauer handgun. Later, when Saeed is packing his bag, he has a Glock. Um, oh, okay. So that was an oops. They don't usually make oopses like that on guns, but yeah. but oops. Okay. So Saeed's like, yeah, I don't really care what Michael thinks, because uh, I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm good. I'm good here. How are you? Like, can we appreciate how Saeed is so, like, cool, calm, and collected? Always. Always. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, oh, he- like, he's not like, Henry escaped? He's like, oh. He's like, hey, I heard Henry escaped. Uh, whose mess up was that, bro? <laughs> Wasn't mine. Uh, okay, so Pippi Longstocking. Sawyer refers to Kate as this main character from a series of a popular children's books by Astrid Lindgren. Pippi is a nine-year-old girl who lives with a complete lack of adult supervision. Supervision. She is very unconventional, assertive, and extraordinarily strong. So that's actually a huge compliment, I feel like. Yeah, it, also, it is. Sorry. Also, um, Pippi Longstocking is known to have, like, freckles. True. Oh, right. And Kate. True has freckles and he freckles calls Freckles with any or freckles. So anyway, um, this is just my skate heart being really excited. Thanks. The Great Grape Ape Show. Sawyer refers to Hurley as the damn grape ape. The Great Grape Ape Show was a Saturday morning cartoon produced by Hanna-Barbera Productions that was broadcast from 1975 to 1978. The Dirty Dozen. Sawyer refers to possible members for an A mission as the Dirty Dozen after a group of unconventional and or criminal heroes in this 1967 war film. He's an idiot. Special Forces. Sawyer refers to Saeed as the Red Beret. Red Berets are worn by the Iraqi Republican Guard as the reference is made to Jack, so it's a variation of the Green Berets of the U.S. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was actually, like, a nickname that he gave to him that was actually, like, accurate. Accurate? But probably not purposefully accurate. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, that, it was accurate, but what he was trying to do was basically, like, make it an opposite of the U.S. Exactly. Yeah. My last note in this scene was just, why is Jack so on Michael's side now? But I think we talked about that. Yeah. In the hatch, Echo happily puts in the numbers. Charlie enters, asking him where he's been. Echo asks Charlie to please bring Echo's things to the hatch. He'll be staying there now. Charlie's hurt to find out that Echo's abandoning their church because he has more important things to do. Charlie refuses to get Echo's things for him. Which is totally understandable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why does this happen? Well, now Echo thinks that, like, he thought that that was his, like, calling. And now that he's seen all the stuff in the Pearl, he believes that this is his calling. So he's like, I have more important things to do now. That's really sad. Fetch me my things. Yeah, it was kind of, like, not very nice, actually. No. no. The way that he said it. So I just went back to check the episode because I had a really confused, I, ha- I was really confused about the fact that Echo now has the key around his neck, which is the, like, the key that Jack has for, like, the lockbox that has the guns in it. Because at the beginning of season two, he comes in and it, like, is a magnet, right? And so the magnet near the wall, like, lifts up his key. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the same thing happened to Echo. So I was like, what? Why would Echo have the key now? That's so confusing. So but I went back and looked. It's his cross necklace yeah. from Yemi. <laughs> Duh. Um, so, Wake up, Robin. So um, that's what that was. Um, he's so happy to put in the numbers. He's like, beep, boop, beep. Like, this is my life now. I did the thing. 
Um, Charlie that is sad. That would imply also, if he puts in the numbers, that would imply that he was given permission to be in the hatch. True. Yep. That's true. If he's the only one in there, yeah. Yep. So Charlie's really sad, um, and he makes the same joke that Bernard used in SOS, because um, Bernard came up to Echo and Charlie and said, like, hey, I spent, like, 40 days with you, and now I never see you anymore. You don't call, you don't write. What's up with that? And so Charlie walks in, and he's just like, hey, I noticed that you um got up in the middle of the night, and now we're not talking anymore, even though we were best friends. I support him. So I loved the part where Charlie was like, hey, are you moving in here? Are you, is this your new bachelor pad? And Echo doesn't say yes. What he says is, yes, I am moving in here. So he's saying yes to moving in here. No to the bachelor yeah, pad yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty That's funny. That's cute. So you wake up in the middle of the night, you grab your Jesus stick and race off into the jungle. You don't call, you don't write. I'm sorry. I had work to do. Right. Yeah. Charlie, would you do me a favor? I was hoping you could bring my things from the beach here. What for? You moving in here? Fancy yourself a little bachelor pad? Yes. I'm moving in here. Well, what about the church? You said we're supposed to be building it together, man. I am supposed to do something different now. What am I supposed to do? Bring me my things. So yeah, he's abandoning the church thing. So we all understand why Charlie's upset, but why is he upset? Okay, I have like two thoughts on this. Okay. One is it's an unfinished project. Frustrating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But two is like Charlie finally had a purpose. Yeah. And the purpose wasn't related to Claire in any way. And now it's been taken away because Mr. Echo decided to change his mind. And that seems kind of unfair. Well, yeah, that was something for Charlie to distract himself from like all the garbage that happened. Exactly. And so now, now it's like he has to do it by himself. Well, and it's like, what was the point of it if Mr. Echo's just going to abandon it right there? Like, what were they even doing it mm -hmm. for then? Right. Because Charlie is also a religious person. Yeah. He goes to confession. He goes to the, to the, to church, you know? So, so it probably like, means a lot to him that they finish it. And maybe it's even, even though Echo's a priest, maybe it's even a little bit, not blasphemous, but like disrespectful to not finish the church. Exactly. Even though at this point it doesn't even look like a church, the fact that like they were, it was supposed to be a church. You know, it literally looks like nothing. So Charlie says, okay, well, what am I supposed to do now? And Echo doesn't answer. And instead he just goes, bring me my stuff. Why would he do that? Sir, do you know how to talk to people? Like, why would he boss him around like that? Like, Echo knows how to manipulate people. He knows how to get people to do things. We've seen that in his flashbacks. So it's like, the fact that he does this to Charlie is I'm just like, are you trying to get Charlie to not do things for you? Because that's what you're doing. Exactly. Um, so Charlie says, hey, well, you better hurry because uh, you're the only person in here and I'm certainly not going to press the button. So good luck getting your stuff. Bye. Sucks. Um, Sawyer approaches Mike to tell him the good news. Saeed's coming with. Yay! Mike is not happy for some weird, weird reason. Can't relate. Sawyer says that if they're going to war, they should probably have someone who has experience. Mike says it's fine, but uh, it's not. It's not fine. So um, who brought up the point about Vincent wagging his tail when he sees Sawyer? I did. <laughs> That's pretty cute. It's pretty cute. But also, it might just be because Madison really likes Josh. You know what? Why can't both things be true? <laughs> so true. So um, Sawyer tells Mike that Saeed is coming and um, no, it's supposed to be a secret. 
But, my, but Sawyer has no reason to think that Michael wouldn't be happy about this because Saeed, because he understands that Saeed's like the perfect person. Well, and Michael's not filling anyone in on anything, so yeah. I don't, yeah. Like, Sawyer thinks that it's good news. It Because it should be good news. But it isn't, but it isn't. And he has a genuinely good point. Uh, So from Lostpedia, Moby Dick. Sawyer refers to Saeed as Captain Arab. Oh, God. Yeah. A variation on Captain Ahab, a character in this 1851 novel by Herman Melville, Ahab is the tyrannical captain who is driven by a monomaniacal desire to kill the whale that maimed him. So that kind of makes sense because, um, like, Saeed's whole thing is Henry, right? Yeah. So that would make sense. But there's also this. Um, Bob Dylan's 115th Dream. Sawyer referring to Saeed as Captain Arab could also be a reference to this song by Bob Dylan. The song is a surrealist adventure where the narrator, who calls himself Captain Kidd, discovers America prior to Christopher Columbus's visit, along with his crew and Captain Arab, only to find out that it's not the pure, primitive place that at first glance seemed to be. I would say, no, Sawyer's not smart enough for that, but that boy reads. Yeah, it's true. So either of those could be true, and I see the points for both of them. Yeah. Pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. Got some good news for you. Captain Arab's in too. Calvary rides at sunrise. You told Saeed? Yeah, I told Saeed. You shouldn't have done that. Oh, I'm sorry. I just figured if we're going to war, we'd want the one guy who's actually been in a war. That a problem? And then Mike is just like, yeah, actually, Sawyer, it's fine. But it's like, not fine. So is he, um, is he just saying that to Sawyer because he doesn't want to fight with Sawyer because he's scared of Sawyer or because he and Sawyer are friends now because they had a connection at the beginning of the season? Like, what makes Mike not fight with Sawyer in this moment? Not worth it. Not worth it? Not worth it. What do you mean? I mean, it's just easier for him to go take care of doing it himself than it yeah. is to try and dissuade Sawyer. Right. So it's easier to talk to, like, Saeed's easier to talk to. Yep. Yeah. I think because Saeed is so cool and calm, you know, I think Sawyer is more likely to punch you in the face than right. Sawyer, than Saeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michael finds Saeed and tells him that he can't come. In his only good point so far, he tells Saeed that they're going, they're trying to go after Walt and Saeed would only have to go after Henry. Saeed's surprised that Mike thinks he would throw Walt's safety out the window for revenge. Mike's sorry, but Saeed can't come. I mean, I guess there were some good points made. I guess. I don't like them, but I guess they got made. All of these are, like, pretty good points, and a lot of the notes that I have for this scene are actually things that we've already mentioned. Um, but Saeed is actually, like, pretty offended that he, that Michael would think that he would compromise Walt's safety for revenge. I don't blame him. Because Saeed's a really level-headed guy, and even though he has the desire for revenge, I totally think that he understands that a child's safety is more important. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I know Sawyer told you, all right, but uh, it's not going to work. You're not coming. And why is it that I'm not coming? Because you're going after the guy who escaped, and I'm going after my son. Are you implying I let a desire for revenge compromise Walt's safety? I'm implying that I decide who stays and who goes, and you stay. So Saeed says it's fine and that he'll stay, but he totally sees through Michael and he knows that he's a traitor. Like you, at the time, you think that that he's just being like nice and good and Saeed's like, no problem, Michael. But then later in the episode, obviously Michael's like, or Saeed's like, Michael's a liar. Saeed's like, hey, so um, I'm the only stable person here mm-hmm. um, and I'm the only one who's figured this out and all y'all are dummies. Yeah. Michael is being so obvious and people are like, okay, yeah, he has some few points. And then Saeed is like, uh, I think, I think we might have a problem. Yeah, he's like, did all of you take stupid pills? Did any of you notice that I can't come and only four people can come? And his only logic is, 
I'm a dad. Yeah, like, literally, the logic is so thin. Like, literally, Michael gives Saeed his best point yet, and Saeed still doesn't believe him. (laughs) Saeed's like, no. Charlie's trying to build the church by himself. It's not going great. Vincent comes up, holding a Virgin Mary statue in his mouth. That's messed up, Vincent. (laughs) Charlie follows the pupper back to Sawyer's tent, where he finds the rest of the stash of statues. Charlie throws them all into the ocean. That was such a huge moment for him. Totally. So, like, now that we're kind of at the end of this plot line, Mm -hmm. what was the point of it? I think that what they said, like, what the producers said about it was just that they needed to throw a wrench in Charlie and Claire because it was, like, too happy or something, which was a bad, it was a bad excuse. Yeah, Um, that's boring. I don't, I mean, I can't give you any answers because I don't know anybody who likes this plot line. I don't like it. Me neither. But I'm glad it's over now. It feels trivial. It feels like, it does feel like a plot filler. Where they were like, we can't figure out anything else to do, so let's, like, instead of giving these two people and having them be, like, a good source of hope in the show, what if we mess them up? And I'm like, that is the most lazy thing I've ever heard. I wasn't even trying to make a parallel. I I think that luckily, the show already had many other sources of hope. Yeah. So they could afford to do that. But I still don't think it was a very good decision. And it's really disappointing also because, like, I love Charlie and I'm out here trying to love Charlie. I love Charlie in season one. He really overcomes something and it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I love Charlie from season three on. So it's like, why is this season just like a blip in Charlie's storyline that, like, kind of tarnishes him, you know? And it's just too bad. It feels like it, it was a mistake. Like, this plotline was a mistake. Yeah. Um. So Charlie's messing up the roof because not only is he not a carpenter, but also he's all by himself and these things are heavy. Bless. So he goes, he follows Vincent. He finds the Mary statues in Sawyer's tent because now everyone knows where his stash is. And he throws them into the ocean. Okay, so he finds them in Sawyer's tent. Yeah. Does Sawyer know what they are? Yes. Okay. I'm almost certain. I couldn't remember. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that the statues are heavy, but also we must remember that they are hollow. So they're probably going to wind up somewhere else on the island. Like, they're probably going to float. Oh, you think they'll float? Yeah. I think they might sink, or, like, at some point they might. Well, is there- unless there's a hole at the bottom, then it fills with water, and then it sinks. But if it's just oh, yeah. hollow, she's probably gonna float. Right. Like, okay, I here's the know. thing. I appreciate the symbolism, and I appreciate, like, that he did this because it means, like, he's at the end of this journey. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, have you given those to Jack? Yeah, just give them yeah. to Jack. Like, we, use, we already used them for something- that's that really could be helpful. used for like medicine yeah. or something else but i love how like he just turns and then locks like well like not only thing. like his main conflict about this was with claire but separately he also had a big conflict about it with Locke because because yes. Locke was the one who helped him get through that in season one Mm-hmm. And Locke was really disappointed that Charlie had either gone back to it or, like, was being really dishonest about it. And he was the one who was, like, protecting Claire from all of Charlie's garbage. So it's important that not only is Charlie re- reconciling with Claire this episode, but he also is reconciling with Locke without even talking to him. Yeah. Yep. Um, so on Lostpedia, uh, before this episode, Locke had kept seven of the Virgin Mary statues. Later on, Jack smashed at least one of the statues for heroin for Libby. Thus, Charlie could not have thrown seven seven statues into the water. So, um, he threw seven statues, and they would actually only have six at this time. Oops. Oops. So then there's one left, and he kind of, like, you know, he looks at it, and he he kind of, like, considers it, but but ultimately he throws it, which is good. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so Locke sees it, and now they're cool again. Yay, friendship. So happiness. Jack enters the hatch and confronts Echo about never coming back after their search. 
Echo is chill about it. Jack tells him about the funerals and Echo says he'll mourn them in his own way, which is fair. Yeah, I feel like it's not fair to expect everyone to mourn the same way. Yeah. So Jack's pissed that they didn't come back. Echo's super chill about it. He's like, yeah, we just didn't find him. And Jack's like, okay. We didn't find him. He's like, yeah, I get that. I get that. Where's Locke? And Echo's like, I don't know. Like, Echo's like, I don't care about your garbage, sir. He's doing stuff. I don't know. He's doing things. He's doing stuff. I love that about Echo, that he never takes anybody's crap. He's always so calm about it. Yeah, he's like, oh, sorry. Did you want to go have your, like, weird, like, tug of war with Locke somewhere else? He's like, I'm busy. It's like what Anna said a couple episodes ago when she when Saeed was like, are you going to tell Jack and Locke about this? And Anna said, Jack and Locke are a little too busy worrying about Locke and Jack. Exactly! So he says that he'll mourn them in his own way, which is honestly totally valid. And I feel like him helping clean up Libby's blood could have even been part of that. Yep. And he also prayed with Anna last episode. So he he could have already done it and now he's moving on. You know what I mean? Yep. Sawyer and Jack prepare the guns. Sawyer wonders who will speak at the services and tells Jack that he slept with Anna. He doesn't have anyone else to tell because Jack's the only person he has that's even close to a friend. <laughs> um, so that's sad. So they open the lockbox that has the, uh, the, uh, I, I got used to saying Anna. Yep. And so now I'm like, every word that starts with A has to have the ah uh, vowel or a vowel. So I was going to say, open the lockbox with the ammo in it. With the ammo. With the ammo. Because obviously Michael stole a bunch of it earlier and so they needed to lock it up. Um, so Sawyer asks who will speak and it's really interesting seeing Sawyer like out here thinking about the funeral. Like they weren't talking. Like obviously Sawyer had been thinking about that for a while. Yeah. He didn't even know her last name. Jack knows that it was Cortez, but I don't know how. I don't think she she, probably told him. Like, I don't think she ever said on screen. Like, I don't remember. No. But he spent a lot of time with her off screen. So I feel like she must have at some, obviously she must have at some point told him. Yeah. Um, so Sawyer tells Jack that he slept with Anna. She told him not to tell anybody um, in Two for the Road. And he says that they got caught in a net, right? Jack, like, Jack said that because he actually meant caught in a net. Didn't mean, like, that he slept with They Kate. literally got caught in a net. Yeah. And, like, but Jack seems to totally know what he means. He's like, mm. like yeah. And I'm like, bud, <laughs> you're just confusing people. Like, hey, buddy, just, just. It's okay. So he says that um, Jack is the closest thing he has to a friend. Obviously, he didn't want to tell Kate about it, and he felt like he had to tell someone. Why do you think that is? He said, because Jack says, why are you telling me this? And he says, because you're the closest thing I have to a friend, and because she's gone. And so I was wondering, like, what does that mean? And I thought that, like, the only two people who knew this secret was he and Anna. Mm -hmm. And if she dies and he never tells anybody, then, like, the secret dies with them. That's a good point. But I don't, like, I'm not exactly sure what he means by that. But that's, like, kind of what I got from it, I guess. I kind of like that. Because then it's, like, some part of human connection of Anna's lives on. Right. Yeah. And it's, like, I guess he's kind of telling Jack, like, you had a connection with Anna because you guys hung out a lot. And basically, like, if anybody's wondering why I'm kind of sad, that's why, you know? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. He could be, like, literally trying to signal, like, this meant something to me, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then he says, at least now we get to kill somebody. Sir? It's called self-care. <laughs> it's called self-care. Okay. Kate and Hurley dig the graves. Michael comes up, reminding them of the plan. Hurley doesn't want to go. Mike starts to get angry with him, but Kate stops him because she knows how to be kind. God bless Kate. I stan Kate this episode. I stan Kate every episode. I love her so much because Kate and Hurley are digging the graves. I understand why Hurley is digging the grave. grave but the fact that Kate volunteers, she didn't have to do that. Nope. And she does it. And she's like, if you watch her in the background of the episode of the whole episode, she's constantly like right beside Hurley with Hurley, rubbing Hurley's back, 
making sure that Hurley feels okay. And like Mike comes up, is mean to Hurley, and Kate stops him, you know, because she's a good friend. She's a good person. Ugh, I just love it. But also, Mike like torments Hurley, Hurley in the graves. Like they're, yeah, they're all standing they're, in they're the graves. They're standing in the graves, and he's like, she's dead. And yeah, like, like it's pretty monstrous. Because they killed like, her. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Jack, fill you in on the plan? What plan? We're leaving first thing tomorrow. Back across the island to their camp. Okay. What about you, man? You coming with us? Why would I want to go? Because they killed her. Michael. Come on. What do you say, Hugo? Sorry about Walt, dude. But I'm not coming. You're sorry Michael. about- Michael! I love their makeshift shovels. You know that the props department had a great time making those? Mm -hmm. He said they killed her, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But before he said they were murdered, which was, like, him being guilty. Mm -hmm. But, like, would you say, like, they killed her as in, like, like he had to do it? He's, you know? Yeah, he felt forced. He felt forced. Yeah. Right? He's the reason, like, they're the reason that he, that they're dead because he because was forced, basically. Yeah. I think, I think is what he's saying. Michael grabs a shovel to help, but he only has one hand because one of them's in a sling. So, like, thanks for the... Thanks for the thought. Thanks, thanks for thanks. the gesture, I guess. <laughs> thanks for the memory. Yeah. Even if they weren't so great. Mm -hmm. So Hurley doesn't want to go. Kate is really upset that Michael is saying these things to Hurley's face, like, too harsh. Yep. Way oh, too harsh. Absolutely. Um, but he still says no. Michael is so lucky that he had a change of heart. Like, what what would he have done if Hurley had still been like, no, I'm not coming? Like, then he, like, he would have to keep stalling until Hurley says he'll go, you know? Yeah, he would have been screwed. Mm -hmm. He's, like, going to press harder, but Kate won't let him. Kate makes him leave. I'm so glad that Kate mm -hmm. stopped that. Which reminds me of when, like, Charlie kept trying to come up to Claire, and Kate was always just like, get, get out of here. Kate knows how to draw boundaries. Totally. People begin to gather for the service. Locke sits on the beach alone. He cuts himself loose from the splint on his leg and walks away. So before this, we have Kate rubbing Hurley's back. And what is Sawyer thinking when he looks down at Anna's body? Just that, you know, he was one of the last people to see her. Probably. And probably wondering, like, what he could have done differently to make this have not happened or yeah. something. Like, I wonder if, like, the reason why everybody leaves Anna alone is because they're going to go get the guns from Sawyer. I know this is, like, way back in the past, but I wonder if Sawyer's like, if I hadn't stolen all the guns, then they wouldn't have come. You know, like, they, like... Every single person here could be like, if I hadn't done this, then this wouldn't have yeah. happened. You know, there's so many butterfly effects that like literally anybody could be like, if this hadn't happened, then this wouldn't have happened. And then they wouldn't have died. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, yeah. Which is just freaking heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. um, a fun fact, Michelle Rodriguez and Cynthia Watros do not appear in this episode. Their covered bodies are portrayed by extras. Oh, good. Yeah. Don't want to waste their time. True. So Locke is sitting all by himself. His leg is fixed, just like Rose said, because... People heal very quickly on the island. And so Locke just walks away. He doesn't go to the service. I mean, it's Locke. Is anyone surprised? True. Jack and Saeed start walking to the funerals. Saeed stops Jack, telling him that he doesn't trust Michael. He believes that they're being led into a trap. Jack's ready to go confront Michael, but Saeed stops him. The element of surprise, Jack. Duh. Duh. So, um, Saeed didn't know about Jack's father. I guess Jack didn't, like, talk about it a lot. I think he talked about it with... Anna, because they met in the bar what at the airport. Elsa? Don't talk to me about Elsa because there's an Elsa in this show. And I think Kate knew about it. Sawyer definitely knows about it. Yes. But obviously Saeed didn't know. Heck it's Saeed. 
Jack talks about how he didn't know what he was going to say at Christian's funeral. Um, and now he's going to another one and he has to speak, but he still doesn't really know what he's going to say. I don't think Jack and funerals mix. I have thoughts on that. Okay. Um, because he comes in and he speaks at this funeral, but he specifically said no to speaking at the funerals in 104. Like Claire said, like, I want to do hold a huge funeral for all the people that died in the crash. And Jack says no. Oh, yeah. But of course, that was like really, really recent from when his father died. Yeah. So I kind of understand why he did that. Um, Saeed doesn't believe in Michael. He says he would do anything for his son, which of course we know. He believes that they are, that he's leading them into a trap. And Saeed's like, I believe this. I believe that. I believe that he let Henry go. And Jack's like, you believe a lot of things. And I'm like, you should believe Saeed. Yeah, because he's really smart. smart. He's right about all these things. I would believe Saeed over Michael any day. Yeah. Yeah. So Jack wants to go up and just full on confront Michael, but Saeed's like, let's not do that. And I'm like, but what if we did? Mm Mm-hmm. What would Michael have done if they had gone over there? I'm genuinely afraid he would have killed someone else. You think? Yeah. Or would he just be like, uh, 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 uh I'm sorry. Like, like if, I guess I can't talk like, about this. Like, what do you this. mean? I guess I can't talk like, about this because it happens next episode. If they confronted him there and then. Yeah, because Jack says, well, let's go talk to him then. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just wondering if maybe Michael would have, like, broken down and been like, they made me do it. I'm so sorry. Could you guys still please come with me? You, 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 and you. So that we can make them think that we're I think still he, on their side. I think he would have totally broken down and confessed everything. I don't think he would have kept up the facade i think he would have been like they have my son son you know are you a father jack yeah (laughs) you a father jack Jack speaks for Anna and Hurley speaks for Libby, saying she was a good person who helped a lot of people. He tells Michael that he will go with them. As the service winds down, Sun spots a boat on the horizon. So they mention that Anna was a police officer. Like, basically, Jack is just mentioning all the things that he knows about Anna. Yeah, he's like, um, so this one and this one and this one and this one. He says that it wasn't easy for her to be here. And I'm like, okay, was it was it easy for anybody, though? Yeah, I feel like they're not really on vacation. Yeah, true. She was a woman of few words, so he's not going to say very much. Um, also because you don't know what to say. <laughs> and you're lazy. <laughs> so Jack finishes talking about Anna and he looks over to Michael and there's just a moment where they're like make eye contact or whatever. Or I don't, actually, I don't think that Michael looks over at him, but Jack looks over at Michael and you're like, ooh. Yes, like, it's awkward. Uh, Hurley talks about Libby and says that she's a psychologist or a psychiatrist. One of those. Yeah, those he are doesn't know. People. He just doesn't remember. Hurley talking about how she helped a lot of people and then we get a shot of Claire who Libby helped. Yeah. So I thought that was great. Libby was... She was, she, maybe was a psychologist, or psychiatrist, one of those, either way she probably helped a lot of people, she helped me, she was my friend. It's not fair that this happened to her. It's not. Hurley decides that he's definitely going with them now for revenge, I guess. But it's like, if Michael won't let Saeed go because Saeed is looking for revenge, the fact that he's like, yeah, Hurley, please come, even though Hurley doesn't care about, I mean, Hurley's friends with Walt, but like, he doesn't care that much about Walt. He's there for revenge also, you know? Red flags. Um, so Claire grabs Charlie's hand so you know that that whole debacle is over. Um, Sun find, like sees the boat. It's literally an iconic moment. And the the dissonance in the music is really cool. Yep. It's awesome. And we live on the ocean, and I saw a boat that looked just like that one. 
out on the ocean today. That's nice. I thought that was pretty cool. I'm excited to see who's in the boat. <laughs> Who could it be? Now it's time for our best line award. My best line award goes to Charlie for... Are you kidding me? Did someone put you up to this? Sir, you're talking to a dog. That's that's the dog, sir. And my best line award goes to Michael for... Who's James Ford? Who that? I don't know why, but like the seriousness with which he delivers that line is so funny to me. And my favorite line award goes to Michael and Saeed for... You're not coming. Welcome back, Michael. <laughs> Man, like, it's, like, it's like, wow. Welcome back. It's it's nice to see you, too. Saeed's um, like, you don't think that I'm used to people antagonizing me? <laughs> Okay, moving into our other segments, man of science, man of faith. We're talking about Michael today. Would you do you guys think that Michael is more of a man of science or a man of faith this episode? I think faith because he's putting in like I wouldn't say he's putting his faith in other people, but he's putting his faith that, you know, the others will keep their word, mm. that these mm. people will come along with him to the others, you know, and I think that he's hopeful that he's getting his son back while also, I mean, being a garbage person about it, but that's just how it be sometimes. I also think he's man of faith. It's interesting because I, my immediate um, thought was man of science because he's trying to be like methodical about it. And even when he's um, in the tent with Clue, he says like, you guys are going to kill me because of this reason, this reason, and this reason. But I like your reading as well. And I think that often two things can be true. Yeah. Um, did they do the thing? The thing is when they say the name of the episode in the episode. Yes, they did the thing. Miss Clue did the thing. And here is that. <laughs> you have three minutes. How many episodes since the last knockout? Oh man. Do we have to reset the clock? I don't think that we even got one this time. It's true, we didn't. Um, but yeah, even though it was a flashback, it was on island and it was a flashback that we hadn't seen before. Um, unlike the first one where he knocks out Locke, which we had seen before. Um, so yeah. Yeah. How many episodes since the last Jack Splain? We're gonna go with five episodes. We don't think Jack Jack explained anything this episode, and to be honest, we expected more Jack Splains than we are getting, and I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, Jack's kind of nailing it lately, and I'm really proud of him. Does this episode pass the Bechdel test? No. What is the Bechdel test? Please remind me. It is um, two female characters having a conversation in a scene that is not about a man. Right. And unfortunately, this show um, rarely passes that. I don't think that there were two women talking to each other this episode. Yeah. There were a few women. We had Kate, Ms. Clue, Alex. I think that's it. And Claire, but never, but they never spoke to each other this yeah. episode. Oh, and Sun. Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Thank you to the creators and community at Lostpedia. Without them, we would be lost. So true. If you're so inclined, please leave us a review on iTunes. We like those, even just the stars. We really like stars. There's also a survey that you can fill out about the podcast and about you. Mm -hmm. uh, it's in the description box. It tells us what you like about the pod and what you think we could work on. If you're a fan of The 100, we'd like to talk about that show too. We did season four, season five, and season six. We will be covering the final season, which is season seven. And then we're going to be going back to do um, the first three seasons that we hadn't covered. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we love to talk about that so show. So fun. To be honest. Maybe too much. Maybe. Um, we cover, we're on season four now. And um, all of those seasons are covered by us. Just, we've been doing this crap for four seasons. Yeah. And it, and it's uh, renewed for a fifth season. So we are going to be um, Riverdale trash for at least another year. God help us. <laughs> if you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. We did all of season one. 
um, long form. We did a short form podcast for season three as we were watching season three episode by episode. And um, throughout all of 2020, we are covering season two. Like we're taking up the whole year to do season two. We're going to do the same thing in uh, 2021 for season three. And then hopefully we will have season four by then. Woo! If you're a fan of Star Trek, we have a Star Trek Picard podcast. It does include, basically, we're going to talk about every single Star Trek series. So there's spoilers. But honestly, there's so much lore, you can't keep track of the spoilers anyway. Also, lore is a joke. Um, so if you want to join us, we are covering season one right now. Yeah, and uh, I don't know anything about that, so if this is your first Star Trek, you can still join us, um, because I ask questions, so you don't have to. Exactly! You can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, mostly Twitter, but I do make gifts of our favorite line awards on Tumblr, so please come support me. On Also, our website is theaficionados.com, and I just redid it, so please support me. Yeah, she's, she did a really good job. Thanks. Yeah. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it because this is very expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Callie, thank you so much for coming. Yay. And by that, I mean walking into a separate room of your apartment. Yeah. So much effort. Nailed yes. it. Where can we follow you? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Callie and Je- Jeffrey. That's C A L L I E N J E F F R E Y. Um, I don't do much, but I'm on there. <laughs> I don't um, do much. <laughs> or you can follow me at Callie Nicole Photo on Instagram. That's C A L L I E N I C O L E Photo. Hopefully, you can spell photo. It will be in the description as well. Yes. I don't know how to spell. And I, you don't know how to spell? No. F. F. Oh! oh! <laughs> you don't know how to spell <laughs> you idiot! You jumped you! I post there pretty regularly my photos. Please support your girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not just a hobby for her. She went to school for photography. School. It's true, she did. So if you're looking for um, photos of the sunset off of our balcony, you can find it there. Yes, I am posting a lot in February. Also, marine animals. Yeah. Yes, marine animals, wild animals, um, and such. Macro. Big boys, itty bitty boys. Inner City Boys. Next episode is episode 223. Uh, it is the first half of the finale, which is called Live Together, Die Alone. Woo-hoo! And we are going to be having... It's Sam. It's, it's my wife. At Sam Casey's. Um, she's going to join us. She also lives here. So yay. No, we don't have to wear headphones. <laughs> yay. And yeah, so that's going to be the first part. And then uh, the second part is going to be released separately. So yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Spoilers, spoilers, gonna talk spoilers. All right, welcome to the spoilers section. Um, We got a DM from Maria, who is at Juliet's LaFleur. She sent us a voicemail last episode. Mm -hmm. um, And after listening to the episode, she had thoughts about Kate, which is crazy because um, Maria um, doesn't like Kate. She is one of the people that I know who like actively publicly doesn't like Kate. So it was pretty cool for her to have Kate thoughts. And I think that they're super relevant, especially with this episode about how much I was saying that I love Kate. So this is it. Okay. Uh, this is from Maria. We all know I'm not a Kate fan, so the fact that I'm even taking the time to do this, much to think about. <laughs> anyway, I'm at the part where y'all talk about Kate crying over Libby and Anna Lucia dying, and it's honestly such a good scene. They properly show Kate grieving, and that's something that I appreciate because it's important. And like y'all said, it shows her emotional growth and connection to these people. 
And the show actually makes a point to show this several times. Like when Shannon died, Kate wasn't able to go to the funeral because she was on hatch duty. But later there's a scene of her alone in front of Shannon's grave crying and Saeed shows up and Kate's like, I'm sorry, I missed the funeral. So her in the hatch is not the first time we see her grieve like that, but it's the first time I notice. Another example is in 603 after Juliet dies and Kate and Sawyer are at the docks talking about the ring. After Sawyer walks away, Kate literally breaks down sobbing. I'm guessing it has more to do with guilt than anything, but still. Yeah. I'm sure there's more, but those two scenes immediately popped up in my head when y'all were having that combo. Kate is so good at the back end of season of season two. Agreed. And that's just the truth. Kate, she's just there for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, she's just an emotional support. Like, she's just being a good friend. Totally. I'm thankful for Kate today. I feel like maybe I should bring in one of the other segments that I have on a different podcast for this just now. And my other segment, one of my segments on the Picard podcast is which character needs a hug the most yeah. this episode. And I would give it to Kate, but she is the one who's actually giving out the hugs, I feel. Yeah, like. she's providing so, that content. So I feel like Hurley deserves the hug this episode and Kate's really doing it for me. So Agreed. thanks, Kate. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now it's time for spoilers. Um, I'm going to go chronologically through the spoilers that I've got as well. Spoilies! So we were talking about how they know that Michael is the one at the ha- uh, at the computer. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to talk about Mikhail. So Mikhail is in the flame and the flame also has like some sort of surveillance type thing. But I think that what happens is that like the pearl is like surveillance of the other stations, surveillance of the island, when the flame is like surveillance outside of the island to see like what's still going on outside. You know what I mean? Okay. So I, I'm not sure because I don't think they could be watching through the pearl. So what you're saying is I was wrong. Or they just sit there and they're like, let's see if this person mentions Walt. (laughs) It's Michael. It's a communication station is the official name. Like is the official like it's title basically communication station. So yeah. Okay. I want to talk about Alex. Okay. Alex's upbringing. Obviously she was taken from Rousseau and was raised by Ben. I found that in season three, she is much more feisty. She's Like in season two, in maternity leave and in this episode, she's there and she's going against the others in small ways. Like, well, I wouldn't call busting Claire out a small way, but she knows what the stakes are. And so she knows that that's really necessary. Yeah. But she's kind of definitely still under the other's thumb. And in season three, she really steps it up. And she's much more angry and willing to go against them. And I think it's partially because of Carl, because obviously she loves Carl and Ben locks him away. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. I just kind of wanted to bring up the fact that like this doesn't feel like the Alex we know yet. No, she's far too tentative and she's not, you're right, she's not rebellious yet. Yeah. So Michael gets marched into the village and we see all of these others in their like ratty clothes, not wearing any shoes except for flip flops guy. Flip flops guy. My note was just that this is so performative. It's kind of funny. It's so weird. Like, why did they do any of this crap? Just to, just to confuse them. Because like, literally none of this serves a purpose. Like taking Michael's blood, there was no point. But I mean, yeah, potentially. Because like, they're specifically trying to get them away from the barracks. Like they're yeah. trying to keep them away from where, um, they actually, where they actually are. Exactly. And you were saying that they're, yeah, you have it up. Uh, yeah. So they're basically guarding a hatch to nothing. Yep. Um, at the beginning of season three, Saeed finally finds the village and he opens the door and there's literally nothing in there. And I think that instead of it being a, a, a rectangle, the, the symbol is actually the door. Like it's the door, you know, it's a rectangle. It's a door. Oh, okay. That's what the picture is basically. 
So, oh, it, it's the it's the fan name given to a set of two metal doors with a Dharma Initiative logo on them, seen in Three Minutes and Live Together Die Alone. So, my mistake, it wasn't at the beginning of Season 3, it's actually at the end of Season 2. And it's a fan name. Yeah. Okay. The door is located below a remarkable rock formation next to the coast. It was thought to be the entrance to another Dharma Initiative station. Yet, when the door was later opened by Saeed, he discovered that there was only solid rock wall behind it. While the door was used as part of a deception by the others against Michael, its original purpose, if it even had one, is unknown. The door was first seen by Michael when he was kidnapped by the others and brought to Decoy Village. At that time, it was guarded by two armed others. So there's some uh, trivia. Uh, The trivia. The door was found and photographed by local residents of Hawaii um, before three minutes aired. (laughs) Oops. Oopsie. The rectangle appears to be be a golden rectangle, a mathematical ratio which is common in art, architecture, and nature. That's cool. That's interesting. The logo hasn't been seen anywhere else on the show. Like the the door logo. Okay. 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 Um, And then the other thing was just that one of the others guarding was Bob. Classic Bob. They were so deep into this facade that they were like, your job is to stand and protect literally nothing Mm -hmm. just to toy with some people. (laughs) Yep. So if you go onto the Lostpedia page for the door... Um, there's some unanswered questions like who constructed the door? What's its purpose? Was the logo designed by the others or by Dharma? Is the real door station behind the rock wall? Lots of unanswered questions, but um, there is also a theories page. Okay. Which I love. Uh, I haven't gone through this yet, so give me a second. As you I... loving lost theories? I know. So there are three different, like, theory types here. There's the fact that it's just a decoy, which okay. is kind of what's widely accepted. Um, that it is actually a Dharma Initiative station. And there's also one that says Man in Black. The Man in Black and his people created the door as a passage to reach the source, just as he did with the well and the wheel. However, it's blocked off by Jacob, just as Mother did with his well in order to sabotage his plan. So that's a pretty, um, that's- That's pretty that's, deep. Yeah, it's pretty far-fetched, um, especially when it was never brought up ever again. Yeah, it seems too far-fetched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, okay, so this is the one that's the most accepted. As was stated in The Glass Ballerina, which is in season three, mm-hmm. um, one, probably one of my top three favorite episodes of the series, um, it was a decoy village that Saeed found. The door was just a decoy of a hatch. There uh, is nothing special about it. The others just wanted to give Saeed and co more reason to come investigate the village and throw them off the scent of where the barracks are located. So that's the most widely accepted one. Okay. The fact that the entire village outside was abandoned, not just empty, but cleared of all its contents, means both the door and the village are just meant to keep up the charade, charade of the others. Likely given the subsequent revelation that it was a decoy village, the others thought their village would be more credible if it had its own Dharma station. I guess! I guess. It does. It is unlikely it's mentioned on the blast door map, as it is such a far distance away for a swan member to travel. And there's a whole thing about being a Dharma initiative station. Like I said, um, when we were talking about, I think last episode we were talking about theories about Richard Malkin. Um, it doesn't say who wrote these, so I can't give credit, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah. Um, so mostly, like, there's a whole bunch of things about it being a Dharma initiative station, but a lot of it um, is about like it having housed another pocket of matter like the cavity in the orchid it could be a facade and there's a way to actually get past it this is supported by the fact that Saeed never actually touched the rock wall he merely just looked at it and shut the doors again Oh. If he were to press on it, he would find it was less solid material than rock and he could enter. There is something similar to a garage door opener, <laughs> potentially. <laughs> there's there's a whole lot of, of theories on the page here, so if you want to um, check it out, you can. Clue 
asks if Walt ever appeared where he shouldn't. And yes, he did with Shannon, but he also does later with Locke when Locke is like dying in the in the mass grave. Mm-hmm. Um, he shows up and says that there's still work to do. But with Shannon, was that Walt or Jacob? Because when we were with Maria, we had decided that it was Jacob. I always think it's Jacob. If so- or it's not malicious. No, we decided it wasn't MIB. No? No. Because he, you have to be dead for it to be MIB. Oh, yeah, that's true. So I still think that potentially her asking if he's ever appeared where he shouldn't. Like, Walt is special, but I don't think he's special in that way. I still think that was Jacob. Yeah. Or maybe he and Jacob working together. You know, like, maybe Walt was trying to do that and Jacob was just helping him along. Or something like that. You know, I don't know. Maybe. So Walt tells Michael that they are not who they say they are. And this whole little town thing is a lie. He knows because he's been to and is spending all his time on Hydra Island. So he's not even on this island. Everybody's looking for him on this island. He's not even here. He's like, he's literally like, I am somewhere else. He's on a completely different island. And she mentions that she's going to put him back in the room. This is uh, room 23, which is where they find Carl halfway through season season three. And he's like getting like brainwashed and stuff. Oh, it's revealed in one of the mini episodes or the like the webisodes, which is called Room 23, that Walt is the one who's inside of the uh, of Room 23. And um, he's getting birds to like fly into the window and die just like he did in special. Oh, cool. So that's how we know that it's Walt who's in there. Okay. From Lostpedia, uh, coincidentally, the names of the four people on Michael's list are the four candidates who are still alive when Jacob chooses a new protector in the series penultimate episode, What They Died For. Sawyer even sarcastically refers to Kate and Hurley as great candidates for the mission. <gasps> Holy shit. So cool. Michael asks for the boat. I assume he's talking about the one that they stole Walt with, but when we actually see it in the finale, it looks a lot smaller. It yeah, does. isn't that one's like a whole like lookout boat. Well, he says like, I want the boat. And I wonder if they were like, well, we can't give him that boat, but we can give him a boat. (laughs) You know? Maybe. It was dark. Yeah. Who's to say? Who's to say? So going into the stuff that's happening in the present, um, Michael asks if Jack has a son, and in the sideways, he does. I was literally thinking the entire time, I'm like, yes, he does! Just not yet. Um, Michael is talking with Echo, and Echo says that he used to work in a small parish. I believe this is when he worked in London, which we will learn more about in The Cost of Living. And then we also talked about Michael being afraid to go to hell. And when Michael passes away in season, at the end of season four, he becomes one of the whispers and he can't even get to hell or heaven. Yeah. He, because he's stuck on the island. I would call that hell. Sure. Yeah. And that was one of my points was that like, we were talking about how like Michael's trying to redeem himself by like wiping up the like, blood and yeah. like doing little things. And then like later you actually see him trying to like actually redeem himself. On the, on on the, freighter? the freighter. Yeah. So, like, Michael can never leave the island now. Right. That's heartbreaking. It is. It's really sad. Especially when what he did was all in the name of trying to help his son. Exactly. And, of course, Walt... Obviously, Michael isn't in the Flash Sideways because he's stuck on the island. Walt also isn't in the Flash Sideways. But it's because, presumably, he spent the most important moments of his life with a different uh, group of people. Yeah. Yeah. What makes you think that um, Michael was trying to help with, um, by coming on the freighter. Well, he blew himself up <laughs> for, for protection. Do it. <laughs> you know, like, 
Sure, but, like, that's not why I don't he, know, like, warning them. Right. Well, when he came... The reason why he came on the freighter was where he was trying to... He was working for Ben and was going to blow up the entire freighter. So I don't think that he had great intentions going onto the freighter, but I think that by the end, you're right, that he is doing something good, ultimately. Yeah, I think he went into it realizing maybe he fell into that pit again mm-hmm. of helping the others. And then I think once he saw his friends or people that he knew, I think he... He's just like, yeah. Like, it's time I, to I stop. Fell, yeah, I fell back into this kind of cycle mm-hmm. that I went in. Okay, so lastly, they see the boat on the water. Um, obviously, Desmond is in here. Um, welcome back, buddy. But um, from Lostpedia, this great point, um, just after Libby is buried, the sailboat she gave Desmond and which bears her name appears offshore. <gasps> so that's Libby's sailboat that she gave to Desmond that is named the Elizabeth. I totally forgot about that. If she had still been alive, she literally, like, could have met Desmond and been like, oh my god. Yep. And, like, that's my boat. What a crazy coincidence. But I don't think Desmond ever actually learns that Libby was there. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. There would be no reason for him to know that. Yeah. So that's kind of weird. And kind of sad. Totally. I have two things. Okay. One, when they were talking about the dog biting the sister and yeah. then, like, him being scared that he's going to see them in hell. Mm-hmm. At the very, the like, the ending episode do we ever see anna and libby talking to michael like do you think when they're they're not in the church they're both in the flash sideways they're just libby's in the church with them Mm -hmm. but anna isn't ready in quotations isn't ready to move on or something but they're both there so they so they are not whispers okay but is michael in the church no because he's stuck on the island okay so he can't move on okay that was my whole thing was that like do they ever get that that's a uh, shit confrontation it it is it they used him to explain what the whispers were that was it that's bull yeah like it had to be somebody you know but, but it's, it's too bad. It, it should it shouldn't have been someone who was such a main character. Right. Callie, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. I had a really good time. Can you tell us one more time where we can follow you? Um, you can follow me at Callie and Jeffrey on Twitter or and or uh, Kelly Nicole photo on Instagram. And it's in the description. Yes. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube. Like we said, mostly Twitter and Tumblr. Yeah. And theaficionados.com. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it because uh, this is expensive. Yeah. And if you can't donate for any reason, that's okay. Just tell a friend. It's all chill. We're all friends here. Yeah. Okay, love you, bye. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. You better like it, mate. Clock's ticking. <laughs>